This one. This is episode 223, The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift Lap 10. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two, and this episode is brought to you by Brothers Company Limited, Import and Export. They are an export company, focused more on the exports than the imports. They're an export company for new and used vehicles from Japan. They established the company in 1990 in Tokyo. Shout out to Brothers Company Limited. Well, shout out to Brothers Company Limited and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. After the break, we'll be talking to Reed Vanier about Tokyo Drift. But before we get there, Joe, extracurricular activities. What have you been up to? Oh, I have one really, really cool thing that I've been up to that I told you about. When we bought our house, we had this shitty kitchen sink. Oh, right. I'm like, what am I? What have, what have you told me? But yes, 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 yes. Go ahead. So we have this shitty kitchen sink and it was like... I guess it was supposed to look like porcelain, but it was really like this like fiberglass sure. bullshit. And like even when we moved in, that had like cracked and was like stained around like the sink. Yep, yep. And Rachel and I were always planning like, oh, we will get new countertops and we will get a new sink. Uh, it's been now five, six years. We have not gotten mm-hmm. new countertops. We've had the same sink. Uh, I hated it. And then also, as you know, because you had just visited not too long ago, the like the faucet part, like when you go to close it, it was like, oh, you had to go like down and to the left. It works, but yeah, it's yes. It's just like, it's like your, I was going to say, it's like something else, but like, it's like your toilet downstairs. It's like, yeah, pull the handle down and then bring it up. It's just like, it works, but you have to know the trick, right? Yes. Also, we replaced that this weekend, by the way. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So, so, um, so we had, so we had this thing and I'm like, you know what? I'm fucking sick of this thing. Rachel was sick of this thing. And Rachel had done so well in gambling in New York when we went to go visit there that we were like, we were going to buy a new kitchen sink. So we bought a new giant stainless steel kitchen sink. We ripped the old one out. We go to put the new one in and I'm like, oh, like she measured it, everything. And we go to put the new one in and it has this like, this like lip where you like under clamp it. And uh, it won't fit in the hole. So, like, these new sinks don't fit in the size hole that they say that they fit in if you have, like, an old standard sink. Gotcha. Okay. So, Rachel's like, what are we going to do? And I, like, look at the bottom of this thing, and I'm like, are these welded on? And I was like, oh, you know what? These are just, like, riveted onto the bottom of the sink. So I just ripped those fuckers off. We put the new sink in this weekend, and it is delightful. I'm very happy. It's a beautiful stainless steel sink. Um, got a faucet that has a motion sensor in it. So if your like hands are dirty, you can just like yep. hand on the side and it starts running. And then also it has like an led light in the faucet itself. Very, very cool, stupid, simple upgrade. If you know, you're an adult, that's the kind of stuff that gets you excited. But they actually, I don't know if you saw, but they announced a CES. I don't think it's available, but they have an ALEXA powered faucet. Where you can you can ask her like I need half a cup of water I've at 135 this. degrees and like you can just do that so that's kind of cool. really really cool and really intense I wonder how expensive that it, dude faucets are fucking exp- do you know how expensive faucets are have you ever just yeah like, looked so at the price when of I my I was having I'm actually having plumbing issues I need to have a plumber come out because like I had I had a clog that I fixed and there was a clog that's somewhere where I can't get to so I have to come out but like when two years ago I had an issue my parents were like I'll buy you a new faucet and I'm like I. I just sounded super Jersey there, but I, <laughs> I, uh, I was like, 
thanks. Like, I don't know, but like, I didn't realize how nice of a gesture that would have been. I'm like, because I'm like, a faucet's what, like 60 bucks? No. Like, no. This is hundreds of dollars. Yes. I'm like, why is it so expensive? <laughs> yes. So, yes, this was the situation that we ran into too. It's like, oh, buying a sink, like a sink, a really nice big stainless steel sink, probably like 200 bucks. Faucet? Because then you're like, because again, as like much. A toilet, you're like, you're like, a, why is a toilet eighty nine dollars? It's like I don't know, but like it's like not, I'm like, oh, like everything's just like not as expensive, and it's like faucets like four hundred dollars. Like why? <laughs> what? Yeah. So the one that we got was like on like special sale. It just happened to be stainless as well, happened to match. So we just got lucky. But yeah, the the faucet is more than the sink. Very weird realization that I had this weekend. Usually, like a nice faucet that you'd want in your kitchen is probably like two hundred and fifty to three hundred bucks. Like yeah insanely expensive that's that's what i was up to but we did like a whole bunch of things like you know but we had to like you know move the like fix the garbage disposal do the whole it was it was a full day night's worth of bullshit but it works now it's beautiful it's sealed uh it looks really good so i'm happy um how about you my friend what have you been up to i didn't do anything really this past week and i just watched a lot of uh, so i watched no real okay i watched the end of the football game on saturday night so i saw oh. the packers collapse which was great yeah and then i watched time. both games on sunday which were two amazing games it was probably the was best day of football in forever yeah. right like yeah the sunday games were incredible yeah they were saying that like because all four came down to the wire was this the, the best weekend of football ever and like maybe possibly quite possibly uh i would say i mean so i, I they were saying that yeah like on everything i was watching and you kind of have to balance the like the amount versus the the scale like the gravity of them right because right. it's like yeah, the divisional yeah, yeah. round i would say that probably was the best weekend of football ever because it's like you got two games on saturday there was none going against each other two games on sunday and which is nice because you you don't have to miss anything yep. it's not like because with red zone you're like you see everything but you don't get it in real time you're like oh i just saw that guy score a touchdown like now we're gonna see it like live or whatever right but this is just like you just watch and when that game ends the other one begins and whatever right so yeah it was it was really fun um and i had a really good weekend watching doing nothing but watching football yeah so I was watching those things and reading a lot of my the books that I'm reading, and I'm reading one another one for obviously for the book pod for how to win the lottery, yep. which we'll get to at some point. I watched some things. Oh, so Wes messaged us. He was like, "I'm also watching Yellow Jackets and Station Eleven. Yes, he and did. he really likes Station Eleven and doesn't really like Yellow Jackets. And I'm like, I don't like the Station Eleven pilot is great. But since then, like the 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 crazy thing is, so like everything I've heard about Station Eleven, because you had not heard of it before Nothing. I wrote it up last week, nope. is that right? Absolutely. So the whole thing that I had heard was like, this is like a story about the pandemic or a pandemic that like won't make you feel bad. I'm like, cool. Every character is unlikable. I'm like, who? Okay, so like it's not depressing, but like no, they're all annoying. Like a hundred percent are annoying. Intentionally it, or annoying to no, you? No, is it just, personal? I don't. Is it personal? I don't know. Or is it? It's wild. Okay. I don't know. Bob and I are watching it together because, like, we watched – I know we did. Like, just, we're just, you know, we have time and we're just watching TV and whatever. And so every other day we're watching one. And so we're texting as we watch. We're just like, what is this show doing? So according to IMTV ratings, there are three really highly rated episodes of the back half of the season. So, like, maybe okay. it gets better. Maybe it comes together. I don't know. Yellow Jackets is better, I think. The pilot for Station Eleven is great. Yellow Jackets, I think, overall is really good. I know that Austin Wolf Southern, past guest of the show, really likes Yellow Jackets as well. So if you're only going to watch one, watch Yellow Jackets, I think. But Station Eleven's on HBO. Yellow Jackets on Showtime. I feel like more people have access to HBO than Showtime. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm also coming really down to the wire with Seinfeld. I only have, like, 15 episodes left. So either 
the one tomorrow or the one Saturday, and I don't want to know, do not tell me. I don't know. But they're the last two in December, so I think, unless it's not a December episode, like, Festivus is one of these next two, because I still have not gotten to Festivus yet. That's, like, the last thing I know about Seinfeld that I have not seen yet, oh. so I'm excited to eventually get there. So sooner rather than later, but I don't know. Yeah, Who knows? I don't know, but I think that it did come out around Christmas. It tracks where you are. Right, because all I know is it's the airing of grievances, and it takes place, it happens in December. But, like, beyond that, I don't know anything about it. But December like, 23rd. It's the, ap- it's the day before Christmas Okay, because there's the apology and the strike. So I assume it's one of those, probably the strike, because that's the last one before the winter break. I don't know. Don't tell me. Not going to tell you. We'll find out. I've also watched a couple of movies recently. I watched this movie called Italian Studies, which I bring up because it stars our girl Hattie Shaw, Vanessa Kirby. Oh, cool. Nice. And it's just her kind of wandering around the streets in New York. She doesn't remember who she is. And, like... The guy who directed it, Adam Leon, directed this movie called Tramps, which I think I picked for Film Club a while back. Yes, stars you, did. you did, yeah. Grace Van Patten, who I know as Balloon Girl in uh, Under the Silver Lake. But I just really liked it. Like, it's a really sweet kind of rom-com movie. <laughs> this, I don't know what it is. It's interesting. Vanessa Kirby's great, but I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I recommend it, but, like, I like her a lot. So I was just, you know, I don't know. It's one of those... I don't know what it's about. Like, it's just her wandering and, like, hanging out with young kids. It's just, like, not young kids, like, high schoolers. It's just, like, why? What? I don't know. So, mixed reception online. But I liked it. I just, you know, I would not necessarily go out and... This this sounds like not a movie for me. No. I watched a movie called Pleasure, which is about a Swedish woman who comes over here who's 19. And she's like, I'm going to do porn. And Ooh. it's kind of like... It's a scripted thing, but it's like, hey, you want to see how fucked up the porn industry is? It's like, yeah, I get it. Like, I knew that. Like, it's not, like, news, but it's good. It's, you know, it's hard to watch. Yeah. And she's good, but, like, again, would not necessarily recommend that. But the one I would, if you want to watch, The Worst Person in the World, which comes out soon-ish, I think. I was able to watch it a little bit early. It's a Norwegian language movie, so, again, subtitles, whatever. It's kind of like this, like un-rom-com sort of thing and it's wonderful i loved it uh it's kind of kind of sad of course because i love sad things but it's just wonderful about this woman who's kind of like aimless and like doesn't know what she wants in her life and just the different people she dates and just whatever and so i was really looking forward to this and i saw it and man i loved it so i was very very happy about that so you know i was sort of saved in around other movies that i did not necessarily super care for Loved Worst Person in the World. Also, the only other movie I want to talk about is I rewatched them almost at the end of Halloween, like those movies. Yeah. And so tonight, after we're done here, I'm going to re-watch, rewatch the Halloween Kills, the one that came out this past October. Yeah. But I watched the first one, the 2018 Halloween, and I loved it. And I didn't love it in theaters. I was just like, this is fine. But I think because I watched three in a row that like I really, really didn't like, yeah. it really amped it up. Did you see that first one? Not the first one, but like the one that came out I guess four years ago now with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis back where there's like, they're following podcasters for a little, did you see that one or no? I don't think so. I don't think so. Judy Greer is in it. Um, I, don't I know honestly we'll wouldn't what... know. Like, I mean, other than like the ones that are stuck in my brain, the other ones are just like on at Halloween time. Right. And like, I put them on. So like, they just are a giant blend. I don't think I've seen it, but there's a possibility I have and just don't remember. Like, I wasn't act. I never actively sat down and watched it. Because the weird thing about these movies, and it's that's why it's hard to describe which one it is, is that they keep resetting the mythology. Yeah. Like, 
the first one was great, obviously. And the second one's just like, okay, it happens immediately after the first one. And also, by the way, Michael is Laurie's brother. And like, what? Why? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and John Carpenter wrote that, but he never really loved that. And then three doesn't, like in three, which is why I love three, the first movie is a movie. They're like, hey, watch Halloween on TV. It's just like, what? <laughs> and then. Like there's four, five, six, which is kind of like a thing, and then like there's like they're they're resetting things, and there's like a cult thing, and then like there's resets in seven, and then like this one is just like fuck all that. The first one happened, and then this is after that. So like all the brother sister stuff, all that's out the window. So like I really like it. So you know if you want to watch this one, you can watch the first one and then this, and like just sort of skip everything in between because it didn't matter. Cool. But. Yeah, it's definitely one of the better ones, and so I'm looking forward because I did not like the, the the newest one when I saw it in October, but knowing what I know now, I probably like it more how much, I don't know, but TBD. Cool. But I got some exciting things coming up this weekend, so I'm looking forward to doing that and talking about that next week, but that's all basically I've done. We have a Patreon page, TooFast2Forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleiman, Brian Rodriguez of Ooh. High School Slumber Party. Haley Gerbys, West Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke, Hayden, Renato DiTanano, Michael McGann, Lane Middleton, Lindsay Lewandowski, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. Thank you all so much for supporting the $5 level or above. We've got a bonus episode coming up soon. I think we just had a bonus episode, too. But we'll announce that at the end of this episode. So if you want to get in there, even a dollar a month gets you early access, all the minute documents, and bonus episodes. So too fast, too forever.com. We also... Have an email address, family at cageclub.me. We've got a handful of things to read today. Okay. Things. Things. Emails and things. So Wes emails us on Thursday. He says, what up, fam? I just finished the latest Patreon episode. What a wild-ass movie, am I right? Other patrons will know. And I just remembered you told me to email this in, so here it is. Stay furious, Wes. And that was something that I... Yes, that I asked him five days earlier because it's time and date stamps. I'm like, hey, email that in. And he finally sent it in. And we're like, hey, you know, we already talked about that. So it's he like, kind of apologized also. But yeah, it's fine. Okay. But thank you, Wes. Justin sent in the email, subject line, Orange Liotta. Liotta. Boy, that's weird. Not see Ray Liotta. Liotta. It looks like Liotta, but it's Liotta. Orange Liotta. Okay. Because Justin picked In the Name of the King for us. So this is him talking about that. Just finished listening to your episode on In the Name of the King. Yes. I got COVID again. What? Jesus, Justin. I don't know, man. Stay safe, bud. Sorry. I got COVID again. So I'm home from work for a few days. Props to vaccines. I basically have a child. I still feel like shit, but it could be worse. That's good. Yeah. I mean, well. Oh, maybe child. Maybe it's supposed to be cold. I basically have a cold. I feel feel like shit, but it could be worse. Okay. I think so. Um. A lot of people around us are getting Omicron, 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 as Pat McAfee says, and um, mm-hmm. they all seem to be fine. It's usually like everybody, I told you one person I work with got it and um, didn't even notice that he had it. I don't think that I've had it. I'm doing things in public, different things the next few weeks, and so I feel like it's tapering. I'm putting already. myself more at risk. Yeah, but like I didn't have any reaction to the vaccine, so like I feel like if I got it, it probably wouldn't be bad. But I also don't know if that's actually science or that's just me being hopeful. But you know, we'll see. I also just hope that I don't get it. But you know, who knows? It's in, it's it's crazy that um, a lot of people had it like a couple weeks ago. I'm like, this is you know timing lining up for Justin, but um, already like all the people, excuse me, that I work with were optimistic. You know, this was going to go down, and the numbers have already gone down, and vaccinated people are doing really, really well and not hospitalized. So I think your good brother 
stay safe, obviously, but I'm glad that everybody just has, like, a mild cold and we're getting through this. I feel like, I don't know, I just see things, because, like, I follow, like, Deadline and Variety, and because they just are mostly based in L.A., there's all these, like, hey, COVID in L.A. It's just, like, I don't really care about this. Like, I understand why you're sharing it, but, like, but there's, like, those seem to be really bad. So it's not it's not better everywhere, but I think, I don't I think, know. It's I think still, it it's is, crazy. like, I... The doctors I work with, I'm getting, like, ER numbers, right? Like, I'm talking to, like, the ER doctors, and, like, they're concerned about how many beds they have and stuff like that. Right. And um, they were optimistic, even though they were slammed at the time. And now, like, you know, from their two-week update two weeks ago from now, they're, it's much, much better. So everybody's yeah. doing happy. But it's also only better if you are vaccinated. Also so you're not true. Vaccinated yeah. Yet. I feel like if you're not vaccinated yet, you're probably not listening to this podcast, to be perfectly honest, but maybe you are. I don't know. But if you're not, you're on the fence for whatever reason, go get a shot. Yeah, exactly. Um, Let's see here. What else did Justin say? Yes, I picked that movie. Ironically, I remember watching with Vani and is having a real fun time watching it. I specifically remember Ray Liotta looking all leathery and orange like he spent way too much time in the tanning booth. Yeah. I think that it was also like this, there's like weird CGI of like something some kind of like spirit or something permeating his bloodstream so it adds to his weirdness of his skin sure. you know like he it looks like he was like venom right i think yeah so uh yeah there was that going on too he says i seem to recall vani describing as if a bunch of high schoolers remade lord of the rings for english class so your takes were spot on yes it's <laughs> very good there was I saw it Fantastic Fest. They made a documentary that I also saw at Fantastic Fest, and they also had the, the filmmakers there. But there were these high school kids, like, in the 80s, I think, who remade Raiders of the Lost Ark. Have you heard about this or no? I think you told me about this at one point. But go so ahead. So there were a bunch of kids, like four kids maybe, or maybe two. It was like a couple of kids that they, they, like, you know, had their friends and their family or whatever. But they remade shot for shot Raiders of the Lost Ark. But the only thing they couldn't make was there was the scene where – Indy is fighting the big brawly dude at the airplane, which spoilers for Raiders 40 years ago, where the guy gets chopped up by the propeller. Okay. Because they're like, we can't make this look good. We don't have any money. We're just kids. Like, they spend a lot of money on it, but like, we don't know where to get a plane. We don't know how to make this look fake or whatever, right? Yeah. So, and then also there's like the, the, the discord and the strife and whatever that like, hey, one of these people cares more than the others, whatever. So they finish the movie, the documentary is them getting the funding and doing it and whatever. And so the movie, it's like them growing up from like age eight to 16 or whatever. And then them just as adults in this one scene. So it's really funny. But th- that's been done. Like, and it's been out there. And like, I have like a poster that they signed. They signed the DVD that I bought at Fantastic Fest. So like, there's a little bit more skill involved, I think, in in the name of the king. But also, how much? Again, not not, you know. Uwe Bullman, though, what a what a guy. What a fucking legend that dude is. I know. Seriously. I had to, like, after we recorded the episode, I was like, Rachel, I gotta tell you the story about this dude. And she's like, wait, what? And, like, we were sitting there at lunch, and I was explaining about his restaurants and his, I'll just box you about it and stuff like that, and it was, it was awesome. Y'all want to hear a story about why me and this bowl here fell out? Yeah, exactly. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Says can't wait for Homefront. I've seen all of Statham's movies, and that's a real fun one. Justin, yeah, Homefront coming next week, so check that out. Not on Netflix. We talked about the end again, but we spoilers. We recorded the back half of this last night due to scheduling, so like I'm I'm alluding to things in the back half because we've already done that. Yeah, we'll talk about it more. It's not on Netflix. Go find it. It's fun. Winona's in it. Whatever. Someone bought a No Knees Denise sticker, so shout out to them. Put that somewhere cool. Send a picture. That's really cool. Yeah, do it. Someone named HD. 
spaces in between, so not high definition, but HD, commented on our Fast and Furious 6 episode, Mariah Rocks on this podcast, which she did rock. Mariah oh, yeah. Rocks. Very cool. Shout out. And then Ashish Penart commented on our Into the Blue episode, MF. So I don't know if it's motherfuck. I don't know what it is, but thank you, Ashish, for <laughs> the comment. Truly, truly special. I appreciate it. Thanks, Anish. Yep. Hope you MF, MF to you too, Anish. MF to you too. That's, oh, well, I mean, I think we may have talked about it in here, but like the Facebook page, we just have random people like sending us, remember, like, what was Cocopa uh, Cocopa Pick, right? Remember Cocopa Pick? Yeah, exactly. Cocopa Pick. And we've adopted the tendency of just like whatever they send us, we send back to them. So like somebody, you normally check it before I'm able to see it. So like I don't get notifications, but I saw one the other night and like just the guy sent us like a thumbs up. So I'm like, okay, thumbs up. So. Cool. Yeah, I, I, these are like weird fishing ex- expeditions, I'm sure. But like, um, but, and then there's sometimes there's people that think that we are actually the Fast and the Furious, like thing, and yeah. they, yeah. Either way, whatever you, they're like, hey, uh, where do you live? And I'm like, no thanks. <laughs> that's that's usually where it stops. Or they, yep. they're like, why not? And I'm like, cause. And then the, those are the conversations that we have on Facebook chat. Yeah. Pretty solid. Pretty solid stuff. Yep. That's all the emails, though, today. Family at cageclub.me if you want to write in. Actually, no, actually, hold on. Before we go further, there's a lot of good stuff on Twitter. Let's go through the Twitter stuff. Uh, also, by the way, Nate's podcast with us that we recorded a while back with Benno is out. So the Rocky Maivia yes. picture show, Fate of the Furious, with the four of us. Go check that out if you have not yet. We retweeted big, that. We put that out there. It's a big so uh, wrestling good. weekend coming up. It probably, yeah, yeah, it's it's Royal Rumble this weekend. Everybody's all hype on the Royal Rumble on Saturday night. When we posted the episode with Mariah about Tej, it was the picture with Tej and Hobbs together, right? Yeah, because it was him and the Honeys. Anna Bellina said Hobbs becoming friends with Tej was basically dropped in the following movies that bummed me out. Those two are fun together. True, very true. And then. Reaction Rocket responded saying, "If the original Fast and Furious movie was a part of the Scream franchise, who would have been the killer?" I'm going to say that Red Herring would have definitely been Vince, but the killer would have actually been Leon. Jesse still dies, though. So we quote tweeted that. And actually, by the way, I saw a thing. This is not really on the streets, but like one of the screen rant was just like the Fast and the Furious still has not brought back this one original character. I'm like, Leon? And it's like, it's Leon. It's like, yeah, okay, (laughs) Yeah. Got it. (laughs) Nailed it. Fifteen picture clicks later. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So. I quote tweeted Reaction Rocket and said, good cue, who has an idea? And Dan Scully, a past guest, said, not sure, but whoever will be a good guy in the next one, and whoever they kill will actually still be alive because cars. And I was like, yeah, it's always cars with these people, so. Exactly. Yep. Johnny Trans, and this is Anna again, Johnny Trans' dad, a.k.a. the guy who slapped him in slow-mo during the arrest, motive, question mark? His son brought shame on his family via his connection to House Toretto, so he's killing them all to balance the scales, which would be pretty good. I like, I like, um, I had a thought. My thought is, what if Mia is the killer? She's like... Well, that's what Mariah said that, too. What if it was unassuming. Mia? I mean, it'd be a massive twist, at least. Yeah, it's, it's very unassuming, and maybe she's like, she has past grievances about how Dom left Jacob, right? Something like that. She needs her own festivus. Exactly. Anna says, continuing the horror, horror movie tradition of a killer's parent taking up the mantle. So that's the Johnny Tran thing. Right? Yeah, so like, you know, have that guy. Yeah. What else? Oh, Big Gelato, Simo from Past Guest. Yes. I'm not sure, but Jacob is definitely the surprise killer reveal for the sequel. He said, Lance seemed super murdery to me. I'm like, Lance also kind of like, just seems kind of, like he could be like a secret savior, I think. Yeah, yeah, Lance could be, like, the guy that shows up with the cops at the end and was like, I knew something was up. And you're like, oh, yeah. shit. 
I totally forgot that Lance was in this, but he's the one who saved the day. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Also, this was this this got weird re- in, in a good way. Reaction Rocket said, "Remember how Mia tells Brian that Leon and Jesse showed up one day? They would reveal that his full name is Leon Linder, son of Kenny Linder, out for revenge against the Toretto family for what they did to his father." He's just playing a very long con. I guess so. That would kind of be cool. I would like that. You know, it doesn't make sense, but it also makes total sense, right? So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, because, well, based on what we see in F9, not the actual facts of what the years are in F9, if Kenny Linder had a son, he would be the same age as Dom and Jacob, and they would have probably seen him at the track, right? Probably. And he would've, they would have probably already been friends with him. He couldn't have, like, yeah. showed up based on, like... Because Dom and Jacob confront Kenny Linder, and Dom beats him with the wrench, right? Right. Unless it's like, you know, bastard son, not with his father, but like still wants to get revenge for the people who killed his father. Stepson, not living with his mom. Uh, That makes sense. I like that. Okay. Reaction Rocket said, the crazy thing that a vengeful Leon Linder could still actually be the villain of F10, and it would work. He wasn't in the F9 flashbacks. They could say that he joined the crew later. Jesse's convict father might still have a bone to pick with Dom's family as well. True. Very, very true. Oh, and then Reaction Rocket was also talking about Hobbs and Shaw when we had Tori Sheehan on last lap about it. And he said, the nice thing about Hobbs and Shaw, and I don't mean this as a slight against, is that you can skip over it and not be lost at all saga-wise. You can go from eight to nine and not miss any beats. They did a good job keeping it separate. Any of its own dangling plot lines are contained. He says, even with the Shaw stuff, both Deckard and Queenie can still play over from eight to nine without seeing Hobbs and Shaw. If anything, I think the post-credit sequence plays better, which is Shaw showing up to confront, I guess, Han? Who knows? Yes, yes. I agree. I hadn't thought of it, but that was a really good point when I read the tweet that I really liked that, yes, um, you know, we always get down on like not putting it in rankings or stuff like that. But it is, a you know, a tip of the cap to them to keep it separate enough that like you don't have to go see this because you're not missing anything in nine without it. And that's cool. Right. That's a good move. It's I think it's smart marketing wise and just, you know, viewing wise. It has enough, but not something pivotal that you're like, oh, shit, I missed this. Yeah, because he says, Reaction Rocket goes on to say the bad thing, and this is just my opinion, is that it makes Hobbs and Shaw slightly skippable, question mark, even more so if it never gets a sequel. Even Too Fast and Tokyo Drift, especially after 9, are tied into the main franchise in ways that make them essential. Hobbs and Shaw only adds to Hobbs and Shaw. Agreed. I absolutely agree with that sentiment. Yep. And then this is kind of bleeding into on the streets which i think is the only other thing that i have on the streets news wise is that dwayne johnson is going to be in a movie with chris evans called red one and i was like red notice red one how about going back to red fast and red furious and andy tudor past guest yes said he'll be there this is some andrew garfield stuff going on right now we're like that's what we hope like it you know spoiler alert for spider-man the new spider-man rock the new the new spider-man if you have not seen a meme in in a whole month Andrew Garfield is in the new Spider-Man and he lied to everyone for two years and only told his family he was going to be in it. So who knows? Pretty badass of him, by the way. Yeah. You know, I think we've been saying that the emails have been lighter, but the Twitter has been good. So people still know how to talk to us. And like I said, we still talk to everyone. It's just like, you know, emails are lighter. That's fine by me. Also shout out to fast guest, Mark Hoffmeyer. He just tweeted that, Screen Rant, our favorite website, Screen Rant, did the 10 best movie podcasts according to Ranker, and his podcast, Movies, Films, and Flicks, came in at number nine. So shout out to Mark. Shit, good job, Mark. That's fucking awesome, dude. 
Very, 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 very cool. Very cool. I am glad to know him and support that. That's very, very cool. Um, I think that's all the news, and that's all, unless you have any on-the-streets news for yourself, Joe. Have you seen anything else about the Fast and Furious in the last week? No, I have not seen anything about the Fast and Furious, or even, like, random shit about, like, The Rock and stuff, so, no. Well, Joe, the question of the hour, is Dwayne Johnson in F10? No, still no. Still no. He's in Red 1. Red 1, Red 2, Red 3. Do you think, I don't know what Red 1 is, maybe it's like a, I don't know, I didn't look it up. Sequel name, just Red 2, right? Just do the next one. No, it's... <laughs> I know. Yeah. Red 1, 2? It's 2 Red. Red 12? 2 Red. Yeah, 2 Red. 2 Red, 2 Furious. 2 Furious, yeah. All right, then the final thing to do before we take a break and bring in Reed is to talk about the Fast Furious Minute. This minute is so boring. I don't even have a name for it. We'll figure out the name. Minute 46, so far right now, untitled. Hey, get your hands off of me! You like me to shoot you! You shouldn't have shown up like you did. What, you didn't You didn't know Verone was testing us? No, I thought you punks were running. Running? That's great. You don't want to uh, That's real great. Oh, and if Rome wanted to shoot you, you wouldn't be here right now. All right, got to get this under control. Hey, that's mine. So? Tell me what you know. Well, Rome and I will be making a run for Verone. I'm not sure when or where. But he did say that he bought us a window. I'm assuming from the local cops. I can talk to some of the guys at the local PD. No, no good. If Verone's got some of them on the payroll, then we can't let them know our operation. Exactly. In addition, Verone told us that he himself would be waiting at the drop. It's good news. If you're going to be delivering drug money to him. So in this minute, Roman and Markham continue to verbally scrap as Bilkins and Brian keep them separate. Markham admits that he thought Brian and Roman were running, which is why they chased them down. Roman, always hungry, goes to eat Markham's lunch. A short time later, Bilkins and Brian talk about the work Brian and Roman are doing for Verone, weighing the pros and cons of their current situation as the minute ends. So, Joe... Boring as hell minute. I don't know what to talk about. I don't have a trivia question. I don't have a title. Let's start things off. Before we even talk about what happens here or doesn't happen here, which I think I already just covered in its entirety, you have a name for the minute? I think it should be like a placeholder thing as a joke to us. Like, insert name here. You know what I mean? But like, Yeah, sure. Okay, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, add name name when you... like when you figure one out or something yeah add name Here. when inspiration strikes <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that's perfect <laughs> thank you because like we'll get to the trivia question later but like like i want to have a trivia question for every minute so we'll come up with one but like what happens in this minute that we could even talk about uh, uh, okay i did have some thoughts let me let me get with my one discovery for this minute you know they were w- all waving guns around <laughs> And apparently, like, um, Bilkins is, like, the only one that's, like, allowed to have a gun when there's tempers flaring. Because yep. not only did Markham give hit him his gun in the last minute. Well, he tossed it to Dunn. He tossed the gun to Dunn in the last minute, I think. I'm pretty sure. But, but Markham hands it to Bilkins. Right. To be like, you hold this because shit's about to pop off. And then, like, Brian pulls a gun out and also, like, puts it down in front of Bilkins. Like, okay, we give it to Bilkins then. Brian's gun is a Glock 19. I found that. So I was very cool. proud because there's nothing in this minute. 
you can't even see the walls. They're doing the thing again where they just show you their faces. So, like, there's, there, you can't, they blur out the walls. Like, there's no focus on the walls. But he has a Glock 19, and that is cool because I have a cool um, side fact for you. Yeah. Do you know what, what, what that gun is important for you about? Uh, Glock. Is it, a, is it a Matrix thing? A Keanu thing? A John Wick thing? Maybe. But I was most excited about it because it is the firearm that they carry in the X-Files. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I think that's kind of standard issue police thing, FBI, right? kind of, yeah, exactly. So yeah. Not, that, okay. not that exciting, but that was as good as I got. Okay, so I did have a thought when I'm listening to the dialogue of this minute because there's nothing to fucking see here. Brian says at one point, if Rome wanted to shoot you, you wouldn't be here right now, okay? Right. That implies that Brian and Roman have held people at gunpoint or shot at them. How does he know the level of his marksmanship just mm. just off the top of his head? Because they went to juvie together, sure, but like, were they like running and gunning? Like, they gangbanging together over breakfast? You gangbanging on, ba- on bacon? Um, I don't know. It feels like it might just be like him like upping his friend's cred, like... Hey, uh, this guy's great. Like he shot at you, but like if he wanted to hit you, he would have hit you. So like maybe it's just like empty bluster, but it's also like they probably he's probably seen Roman take some guys down from afar. You think? So Brian's witnessed murders, but then joined the police force. Like his friend was just out here killing people. I don't know, man. There's a lot of their history that we don't know. There's a lot of their history that we don't know. The only thing that I could think of is maybe he's like, I know Roman's intentionalities. Like if he he's not hitting you because he's too smart for that, but it implies that, like, he knows that he would have shot him if he was aiming for him. It's just, like, a weird thing to stick... I, I guess that he's, like, you know, like, this is my friend, he wasn't trying to shoot you, but at the same time, to be, like, if he wanted to hit you, he would have, is, like, a weird way to say that. I don't know. The other thing, like, the Brian thing, the next line he says, maybe not the next line, a couple lines later... I feel like a lot of this is just like written. They're like, yeah, it's cool. And then like either it's Paul, it's it's Paul's delivery before he's because be- we talked about before. He's not a great actor in these early movies. He grows into the part. He becomes a better actor as his career goes on. Right. And especially this movies, movie, it seems yeah. like he I'm taking a guess. I have no factual evidence to this, but it seems like he was probably hung over for a lot of it. Maybe, maybe. But he says the last line in this minute that he says exactly in addition it's like nobody talks like that nobody talks like that brian definitely doesn't talk like that exactly in addition Roan told us so like it might just be that they're writing things down and either he they they're giving him wiggle room and he's not or it just you have to read what's on the i, I don't know what it is but like whether if Rome wanted to shoot you wouldn't be here right now and exactly in addition like I, there's something weird going on i don't know it's weird delivery it's weird writing it's weird overall strange strange times i like i like your take right there that it was probably like this is the script they're like do whatever you want with it and then you tie in my like he's hung over and he's like i'm not ad-libbing shit i'll just read what's on the fucking lines today and he does it and it's like well that sounds really weird because we thought you'd be like yo cuz like he ain't doing that you know or like whatever he would have like they thought he would say right yeah did you get a sense what is roman eating because roman eats markham's lunch Yes. It's very bready. Like, the bread is very big. Maybe it's a biscuit. Maybe it's a roll. Maybe no. it's a sandwich roll. Who knows? Yeah, I think it's a sub. I think it's like a... Okay. That's what I'm Because it looks, 
it looks cleanly cut in half in the middle. Like, it's very big, but, like, you can see, like, as he's holding it to take a bite, like, it's, like, a knife cut down the middle. So probably a sandwich. I don't know. I think it's kind of like the Subway thing where, like, they make, like, you know, a two-foot sub, but then they cut the half off of it, and then that becomes your 12-inch sub situation. Okay. yeah. Get what I'm saying? Sure. Yep. And it seems like it was kind of that. It, but it looked like, yes, it did look like it was, like, very cleanly cut from the side he's eating it from. And I'm assuming the heel is on the other end. Or it was like, because it, it also has like a, a soda cup with it. So maybe it's a burger that they pre-cut. I don't know. No, 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 no. That's a, that's a solo cup. Like the standard issue, 16 ounce Dixie cup, paper and wax, and you'd get from a deli somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Because like when you go to get cheesesteaks in Philly, like that's the same shit that you get. Fair. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. The only other thing that I, I made a note here that I think is really funny is that remember Dunn, like Dunn just is, he just, he doesn't do anything. He's just there, you know, he's been fucking up. He's the Gallo 24, whatever, yep, right? Yep. But Dunn says here, I could talk to some of the guys at the local PD and they're immediately like, no, you can't do that. Not only can you not do that, but then Verone will know. So like, not only is that a bad idea, but like, it's an actively bad idea. Because it Dunn is. stop talking. I know. But it's just, I, I know that, like, somebody has to say that so that the audience is like, well, why can't I just talk to the cops? It's like, well, because blah, blah, blah. But it's just funny that Dunn sucks. <laughs> and Dunn just, like, doesn't, he doesn't even have good ideas. And, like, they're not only are they bad ideas, but they're, like, they're going to actively make their Sabotage them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought that was really funny, too, because, yeah, if you're like, oh, he has cops on the payroll. He's like, I'm just going to go ask the cops, like, who's on the payroll? And it's like, no, yep. dumbass. Like, you don't know who's on the payroll. Right. We just figured, we just fucking said this, bud. So, yes, I agree. Do you have in mind a trivia question for this minute? I like something about Dunn because you just brought that up. That's interesting and good. My original focus would have been on the fact that they specifically said he's delivering drug money. Because we've always kind of like thought that they that Carter Verone was a drug dealer, but they never really mention it. And like with that weird thing that you said you saw about like, it's about a heroin dealer. And you're like, well, yeah, but not really. Like in this minute, they specifically said you're going to be running drug money. Right. So I was trying to think of something along those lines. I Or like whose who's lunch is Roman eating? I like that better. You like that? That's a that's a, it's a pretty easy question. But we could be like Dunn's, Markham's, Bilkins, Brian's. You know what I mean? Brian's the giveaway. Also, by the way, if we use their real names, you might be confused by what the characters' names are. What do you mean? Like, I mean, really, how many people besides us to remember Bilkins, Markham, and Dunn? Which one's which? Sure. I, I think Bilkins. I think people who listen to the show, if they listen to the Heather Antos episodes, people know Bilkins. People do know Bilkins, but like Markham and Dunn? Sure. Like, yeah. which one's which? Like, even if you do know which one it is, like, using their character names makes it a little bit more difficult. And also, he says it from off screen. You have to, rem- you have to like, peg the voice, right? Like, it's very clearly ba- Markham. Based on the confrontation, yeah. It's definitely yeah. going to be Markham, but yeah. So, for minute 46, add name when inspiration strikes. After the confrontation at East Coast Fisheries, whose lunch does Roman eat? The answer is Markham. That's good. That actually turned out better than I thought we would get to. Yeah, I agree. Anything else about this minute you want to talk about? Uh, no, this was the bland. I think this might be the blandest minute we've ever, ever encountered. It's up there. It's not good. Can we say this has to be like top two 
Well, because the other thing, the the awkward thing about this is there's like there's very clearly a time jump, and there's also a little bit of a time jump that like Roman is prowling like he's a panther, and then he calms down and eat the lunch, right? But like that feels like there's a little bit of time between like their fight and that maybe not, but like there's a weird kind of cut, and then we got to get this under control. Hey, that's mine. So, and then they like, and then they sit down and Bill is like, tell me what you know. But like, we cut ahead like a couple minutes. It's just like, this is a weird, it's laid out weirdly. Like it's all should happen. Just there shouldn't feel like there's a time jump. Cause like there shouldn't be a time jump, but there is for no reason. I don't know why that is. Yeah. Maybe they chop things out to make this shorter. That's maybe, maybe it was a longer scene that they cut down. It had to be. That's, that's the only thing that makes sense because there's weird. There's like, one longer and one shorter gap. You're right. Yeah. He's like angry and then like sitting and eating his lunch and then like mildly angry again, but then also just like, let's get on with it. So, right. Cool. All right. Well, let's take a break and let us talk about Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. episode number 223 tokyo drift this episode is brought to you by brothers limited that is bros-tokyo.com bros company limited has a family atmosphere that helps when dealing with customers from different countries and cultures relationships are very important to them shout out to the bros company well, shout out to the brothers, the bros company, and welcome back to Too Fast, Too Forever. With us tonight to talk about Tokyo Drift, we have the host of the Dr. DC podcast and Ghost Facers, a supernatural rewatch. With us tonight, we have Reed Van Gay. Hello, Reed. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Thrilled to have you join us uh, to talk about this wonderful delight. I mean, assuming I'm assuming you love it because you asked to be on this episode, but, you know, delight of a movie that we've talked about now ten times. As soon as I, like, found your show... It became like a mission of mine to get on, and uh, <laughs> and I was like, I I was happy to do Tokyo Drift, and it's funny, I I've rewatched it a couple of times to lead up to this, and it's like, even the the ranking I made of these movies, I'm not a hundred percent sure on now. Like it's it warms on me every time I see it. Right? Yeah, I felt that way that watching it this time too. Like, I'm I'm sure you see that we do the order where we put it after six now. Yes. And every time we watch it like that, it feels delightful. And, and and I think that plays such a huge part in it is the the way I watched it when it came out versus the way I watch it with the context of the series is so different. And so now I'm like retroactively like giving this movie credit for things it was not thinking of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With that in mind, what is your history with the series? Did you see them all in order? What was the first one you saw? We'll get to your rankings next, but what's your history with the Fast and Furious? Ooh, yeah. I did not see them all in order. I remember seeing the first one around when it came out. Not in theater, but I guess when it would have gone to video. Then I kind of firmly fell into the camp of uh, Too Fast, Too Furious is a dumb name. I'm not watching that movie. And then I didn't watch Tokyo Drift. I came back in for four. I came back in when they were like, oh, it's Paul okay. Walker and Vin. And 
and then I was back in, and then obviously, you know, like the, it becomes like a totally different <laughs> franchise from then on. And then I went back later, like way, way, way later, and took in Tokyo Drift, uh, and that was because of the Han stuff. And I went back even later than that to Too Fast, and now I've seen all of them a bunch of times, but now both too fast and tokyo drift have like slowly been like climbing my charts and like the i feel like they kind of wrongfully got a lot of flack at the time i don't know if like i said i don't know if that's just me being sweet on them because the franchise now means so much to me or or what but i'm i'm sort of upset that i wasn't on board with them kind of from the get-go you know what I think is kind of funny, based on what you said, is that you know you you didn't watch two, you didn't watch three, you came back for four. So the beginning of four, they have Han. You're like, oh, this must be a character I just don't know, whatever. Totally. And then you go back and watch three. You're like, what the fuck? He died. Like, what? Hold on. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. Because like, there's a weird like, okay, so like, it just you know, I haven't seen all these movies. Like, that's just somebody from a previous movie. And then you go back. You're like, okay, cool. Like, this is where you st- wait. Hold on. Wait, what happened? That was exactly my experience of it. I didn't watch. I didn't come in on four and then watch four, five, six, and then go back to drift. I watched four and then went back and watched Tokyo Drift. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so wait, when is four? <laughs> I was like, yeah, what's, what's right. happening here? And then for the next couple of movies, I was like, he's still talking about going to Tokyo? It like took so long to, <laughs> to catch up to where Tokyo Drift was, which is apparently 2013, even though the flip phones. I think people who saw Tokyo Drift in theaters and then saw 4 were like, okay, something weird is happening here because Han's back. And I'm glad he's back because I loved him. But now he's back and I don't understand. And I don't know how much like in the media, because I was not... Number one, I was not watching these movies then. Number two, I don't, I wasn't reading about movies the way that I am now yeah. back then. But like, they even if they're like, hey, this takes place before, it's like, okay, cool. But like, there's still like weirdness. But like the the inverse, where you're like, okay, cool. Now let me go back, <laughs> not knowing anything. It's like, what is happening? Like that's so weird. And you know, that's why we do this because now 223, like, just a, it's a new way of watching these, which has got to be a mindfuck. I think that you you have actually picked a more confusing way for the Han <laughs> reveal than I ever imagined possible. <laughs> well, I mean, it must be it must be weird for you guys. This is what, lap 10 for you? Yeah. It must be weird going through cuz you know, the I imagine the first few times you're like, "Oh, we picked up on this, we picked up on that." Like, are do you find that you're actively still finding things in these movies, especially these early ones, or yeah, I find a few things. I like this time around. My big thing is: is this a Christmas movie? Because when Sean <laughs> shows up in Tokyo, they're showing the streets of Tokyo, and they look like to be Christmas trees lit up. Right, and I don't know if they're always there because, like, you know, Japan and Tokyo specifically, like, it's just it's full of lights, right? So, sure. like, it might always be there, but it looks like there are Christmas trees lining the streets, and I'm like, is this a Christmas movie? And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that because, like, I don't think so because, like, they don't mention it. But, like, maybe it is. So I don't think that there are constructive things that I'm picking up on the 10th time through. Uh, also, we talked about this with Brian and Mike on their shows, too. So this is actually the 12th time we've covered this show, this movie. Yeah. So wow. I don't know. But the answer is yes. I'm still picking up on things. And I, I know that Joe is, too. They might even be less helpful than mine. And that's saying something because mine is not yeah. helpful at all. <laughs> it's always it's, it's always like the, the lens and the and like the guide that we have for the lap is what I kind of try to watch it through and then think about it like that. Like think about the movie in a different way, not so much like picking up new things, just like trying to change my perception of it. Right. And I think that's kind of how it works out for me. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
So now, Reed, with that in mind, you've sort of been teasing it a little bit. Can you please hit us with your rankings of the Fast and Furious movie from either favorite to least favorite or least favorite up? Either way, whichever way you want to start, bottom up, top down. Oh, interesting. And also, please let us know if you're going to be counting Hobbs and Shaw or not, because there's a real divide lately about that. Sure. Fair enough. Uh, so I'm, I'll go I'll go top down and I and I am I am counting Hobbs and Shaw. Good. Okay, that's good. the correct answer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so uh, so top down, uh, Furious Seven, Fast Five, F Nine. Whoa! Uh, the Fast and the Furious, the first one. Okay. Tokyo Drift, Fast and Furious Six, Too Fast, Too Furious, um, Ampersand, the fourth one, <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw, and then Fate of the Furious at the bottom. Okay. 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 How 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 did, how did I do? How how far off am I from no, everybody else? You There's did no right well. Answer, I think right. I think the the surprising thing, and I said whoa, is that you have F nine higher. Like we started out like when F nine came out, and we had people on early. They're like, oh yeah, three, four, five, like somewhere like middle to. So what were you calling at the top of the middle the half? Top or, third, like, the top to the top of the third half or something. Sh- is top, something something real weird and it doesn't make any sense, but also makes total sense. But then like lately, we've had a bunch of people be like, yeah, I don't like this. And like the last two people have it either last or next to last. And so for you to have a three, it's kind of like a throwback to like the summer, basically, where we were all like drunk on F9. But F9 is good. So I don't know. F9, F9 hits so many buttons for me. Like, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, my dad and I, like, were constantly watching what I what I now call, like, fine action movies. Like, a category of movie that almost doesn't exist anymore, where it's like, it, you would be lying if you said it's masterful, but it's so goddamn entertaining and so much fun. Like, we'd yep. watch, like, Eraser, and we'd watch fucking, like, all those kind of movies you know under siege uh time cop all that kind the of mark stuff hoffmeyer that... type of movie i think right so like yes exactly like the ones that are d- devoted 90s fans yes f9 sits exactly in that pocket for me like it's big and dumb and i i kind of want movies to be a bit dumber again like i'm yeah. tired of movies pretending to outsmart me like we thought of everything before you could like i don't need that shit like People clown on this is a, this is a weird example. People clown on Wonder Woman 1984, and there's reasons to clown on that movie. It's it's got like stuff to make fun of, but like that movie is like dumb and fun, and that's kind of what I want from movies more than anything now. And F9 100 percent scratched that for me, so that's why it's so high on my list. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's. I think about 19, like, people are like, 1984 is the worst movie I've ever seen. It's just like, have you seen more than, like, 10 movies? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it no might kidding. be disappointing. Yeah, exactly. I understand that, and I don't like it as much as the first one, but, like, start watching horror movies, and, like, your bar for, like, the worst movie you've ever seen goes really low, because it's like, there are real bad things out there, right? But, like, also really good things. Whatever. But, yes, I totally see where totally. you're coming from. But yeah, I, Tokyo Drift climbed up to the like the fifth spot on my list, and that happened like since three o'clock today. It yeah, happens. Dude. I was re- it does. It's uh, it's wild. I I was when the first time I saw it, I think I kind of had the opinion that it's like, man, this movie really suffers by being like brand new characters, no one gives a crap, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And 
the more that I watch it, I actually think it's sort of like liberated a little bit. Now, obviously, sure. like the reason we keep coming back is now we love Dom, we love the family, stuff like that. But Dom at this point has only been in one movie. The family's not really that important. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um so you go back and you watch it and you're like, no, like it's <laughs> I mean, it's like a weirdly multicultural movie. They're paying homage to like a specific Japanese style of racing. There's all sorts of fun little like they have like the actual Drift King is one of the fishermen, right? There's like a fun yes, cameo yeah. in there yep. for people that are like in and involved and, and like care about the the actual sport or stuff like that. You know, like the the character the one character's name is Takashi, is clearly riffing on like the person that invented drifting, his name is like Takahashi or something like that. <laughs> like there's so much it, like love of the racing in this movie. And I just, yeah, it's just, it totally has grown on me. And I think, you know, what Joe said at the top here was that by putting it in our order after we watch two long movies, it flies by. The other thing, and like I, I'm sort of like, you know, spoiling all my notes for this thing very early on, but I was I was curious how much Han is in this movie, given that he's like everyone's favorite character. And he shows right. up, I wrote down, he shows up 24 minutes into the movie, and he dies an hour and 15 minutes into the movie. So he's on screen at most for 51 minutes and he's not in most the entire middle of the movie but like at most he's in half this movie and yet in that time period he cemented his like ranking in a status as like everyone's favorite character and so i understand that like these movies are not necessarily the hallmark of like fine cinema which is fine but i do think that there is real value and i would struck me again you're saying do we still learn things it struck me this time how effective, and I guess because he's a supporting character, he doesn't have to be fully fleshed out, he can be mysterious, but how effective he is at creating emotional stakes in under an hour, unlike comfortably under an hour. That's, it impressed me yeah. this time. I'm just like, oh my God, like he's barely in this movie, sort of, to an extent, and he's still like the only thing people like care about, right? Like it's just, yeah. justice for Han, right? So it, that blew me away this time. It's a wild ride. It, it is. It, it, it feels, I think... The word I was thinking about this time is like it feels very whimsical when I watch it in this order. Okay. Yeah, it, like the stakes are so low. We talk about this all the time, but like it feels it flies by and like yeah, it just feels like a fairy tale that like just kind of is set in the world perhaps like with Vin tying it in at the end, but you're like, "Oh yeah, shit, that was a Fast and the Furious movie." Like it just feels so free. A lot of the things that um you were saying, Reed, like I always attribute those to the fact that this is where Justin Lin comes in, right? And that, like, you can right. see his fingerprint all over this movie, and, like, all of the things that we love about the franchise actually comes from him doing... Like, the first one, yes. John Singleton, yes, great. But, like, once Justin Lin comes in, that's when it becomes what we love about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's funny. The rest of the series becomes such, like, a... And partly it's they, they're doing it for story, but it also like tonally, the rest of the series is trying to figure out how to blend those first three movies, right? You take like the family drama part of the first movie, you take the sort of like explosive, like visual component of Too Fast, and then you take this sort of like effortless charm kind of thing that Tokyo Drift has, and that's almost entirely on yep. the shoulders of Sung Kang. Like, it, partly it's like. He's a great actor surrounded by, like, fine actors, but 
it's also that he just like his first it's the it's the the eating thing i i don't know how how eating is always like a key into like wow this character's interesting but <laughs> there's something about like the charisma that he is like radiating and they do they're very smart in this movie about not telling you too much about him even in moments where he's meant to be connecting with Sean and, you know, it's like, why would I race? You know, all this kind of stuff. Like, they, it's very, like, ambiguous. Like, yeah, he gets someone's number or something and he says, yeah, I used to, like, ride, you know, whatever. Like, he just, they never answer too much. It's a thing that leaves doors open for him to come back later, of course. But it's also just smart in this movie as one film as one object is like part of his charisma is that you're not undoing it by like and that's why he eats chips (laughs) you don't need to we don't need to get like that han solo we don't need all of that kind of stuff (laughs) in here and so this movie is like weirdly canny because these are things we take for granted and like things are over explained they're explained to death it's that thing about this movie is smarter than you right and this movie is a hundred percent like we're gonna teach you as little as possible about this guy he's maybe on screen for 40 minutes and you're going to you're going to throw yourself behind anything he does because he's so captivating. I wonder if the eating thing, because we've compared it to him before, but Brad Pitt in the Oceans movies as Rusty is always eating. And I wonder if because eating is like one of the least sexy things you can do. And yet when people like Sung Kang or Brad Pitt eat, it's just like, why don't I look that good? Yeah, I, like, I wonder I if it's like something that we all do yeah. that we all look hideous doing for the most part. But like, like he's eating like nachos at the beginning of Ocean's Eleven. It's like why? Like nobody, nobody looks good. But somehow, I guess because he's Brad Pitt, uh, looks great eating nachos. And I think there's something to the like universality of what he's doing. But it's also like, fuck, like yeah, I I don't look like that when I eat chips. Maybe it's the cheekbones. Maybe it's the fact that I'm like shoving right. more than one at a time in my <laughs> mouth. But like. There's something that he's doing. I'm just like, I want to know more about this. And the movie's like, yeah, hold on. We'll we'll fill you in slowly. Oh, wait, he's going to die. But don't worry. He'll be back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're you're totally right. And I think the other thing, too, is that eating is just such a like a like a power move because you're right. It's not sexy. It's a little bit gross. And it's like a thing you have to do. And it's like a thing you probably enjoy more than you're doing than anything else so if you're eating when someone else is talking to you you're saying like you are not more important than this like than what's happening in my mouth right now (laughs) like it it does kind of i think have like a subtle kind of like middle finger thing to it which maybe adds to the charisma a bit it's like nothing you're doing is so important i'm gonna put this bag down and there's something he just pulls it off so well i him him showing up in nine like even when he walks he walks into the base and he's eating you're like yeah. yes yeah. yeah yes do yeah do you guys think that like two parts to this one like later we find out like Giselle's like oh you're always eating because you used to smoke do you think that we related to being so cool because like they don't show smoking in movies that much anymore and this is like the closest thing to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I've, yeah. That's that's interesting too. I mean, it, it's funny. I I hate that they kind of explain it, but also, is there a cooler thing that the eating could be substituting than smoking? Yes, Sorry, right. That's what I'm saying. Smoke, yeah, but it's 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 cool as hell. I don't know what to tell you. They don't really explain it. That's just Giselle's like armchair psychology, right? Like that yes, might not. Sure, I mean, it yeah. might as well be right because that's just all we know. But like, it's not like. It, 
to your point, it's not like we have a flashback. It's like, oh my god, the time that he saw his mom, blah blah blah, yeah. and like whatever, and like he had a bag of chips. It's just like, no, we don't get that. She's just like, yeah, like I've right. I've seen the same shit as you have. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, okay, yeah. But I'm saying for yeah, us, true. like, do yeah. you think it looks cool because like eating like eating a chip kind of has the yeah, same maybe. motion as smoking, and we don't see smoking it because like right. if if you allowed smoking in movies that are like PG-13 and like there wasn't like the huge campaign against it, he would be smoking in this movie, right? Like that's exactly what he'd be 100%. doing instead of eating chips you know what's really funny if you watch like movies like uh there was that movie jalakatu where it's like a bull is like on hold on let me make sure i get the country right india okay and there's just like dudes smoking because it's just like there's a bull running rampage through our town this shit's stressful like we're gonna smoke but like yeah. on screen <laughs> sure. there's like there's like government appointed like smoking is bad smoking gives you cancer do not smoke it's just like oh like that takes all the cool out of it like yes yeah. so i think that right. the, the short answer joe is yes like if, if smoking was allowed be like yeah he's smoking cigarettes he looks cool but like yeah just like yeah he's he's smoke he's he's the the healthier kind of version of smoking, I guess. Yeah, right. I mean, it's funny in the context of this movie too. I mean, obviously the the uncle, the yakuza boss, what's his name? Kamado, Kamada, Kamada. Yeah, he's he's smoking cigars. But oh, it's true. also funny in the context of this movie if they're like, we can't have like like cool protagonists smoke. But then at the end of the movie has the 10 second like, please do not attempt this. This was like stunt drivers. <laughs> Don't do this in the street. Like the whole movie is like a thing you shouldn't be <laughs> endorsing. But they're like, but we can't have smoking. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's very true. So now, Reed, with all that said, is Han your favorite character? Or do you have a, a, another character that you like more? Ooh, geez. That's... In any of the movies, not just this movie, in any of the movies. I think overall, uh, I'm a a big fan of Tej. I really like how he's grown through these movies. You know, uh, I mean, as ridiculous as it is that he was like, I own a garage, and now he's like the second best hacker on the planet, or the third best hacker on the planet, or whatever, behind Ramsey and uh, Cypher. Yeah. I like that, it's interesting that he... You would expect Ludacris to be more of the comedy, but he's actually he's the straight man pairing for Tyrese. Yep. And the, watching them play a sort of like Laurel and Hardy thing or whatever against each other is interesting. And I, I actually think it give, it lends Luda enough credibility that you overlook the weird hacker evolution like it weirdly gives him a lot of gravity that he's the guy holding Tyrese down. And yeah, I, I think, I think Tej has become like a sort of dark horse favorite character of mine. Like, I don't know that I'd want to sacrifice anyone to give Tej a ton more screen time, but I, I always like his stuff. I think. Yeah, I think that's fair, because I think we, we joke a lot about how, like, in every movie, he's got, like, a slightly different, like, it's always, like, tech, was just, like, numbers circuits. is your thing. It's like, when, well, yeah, when is it circuits? When is it numbers? Like, what are, like, where exactly, where <laughs> yeah. do we fall? Well, and, and he gets the same, he has the same answer that everyone has, which is, like, I had a life before this. It's like, they're all, like, they're all meant to be, like, 30 or 40. It's like, I had a life before this. It's like, and you hit it? You were working in a garage? Yeah, and and also like you guys met when you were twenty now at this point. So like, how much yeah. of a life did you have between like sixteen and twenty that we don't know about? Yeah, I want I, I want to see Tej Parker, Boy Genius. Uh, yeah. That's the, that's the series I want. It's Frosty. It's Frosty and Spy Racers. It is Frosty. Yeah, have you seen Spy Racers on that's Netflix? Right. I mean, you don't that's have right. to, but yeah, it is Frosty. 
I ha- I have yeah I've I've just started getting into that I'm enjoying. It. Where does that rank on your, on your <laughs> list of? Just kidding, you don't have to answer that. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, where does it rank? It ranks. Uh, uh, it probably ranks between Fast and Furious Six and Two Fast Two Furious. So that puts it at uh, like number seven on my list. That's higher I than like I thought it was going to be. To be honest. Yeah, yeah. I I like it. I think it's fun. One more question. We're sort of we're, we're we're changing up the format of this. We're asking fewer questions to do other things. But one more question before we talk about the movie in earnest. You you brought up Roman before and Tej's thing to Roman. This is one question we're going to hold over because Joe and I love the answers so much. But remember in Furious Seven, your favorite of these movies, when they go into the the penthouse and they're like, "We need to steal this chip or whatever in the car that Ramsey put away." And they have Roman distract the crowd by singing, by doing the birthday song, right? So we're like, Reed, right. we need to pull a heist. I'm going to do something with the car. Joe's going to go fight Ronda Rousey. <laughs> we need you to distract the entire room. We need you to sing a song acapella style, karaoke style. <laughs> what song are you singing? What song can you either bring down the house with or it's so bad that people are like, I can't stop listening because this is just a nightmare. Oh, God. Uh, I, 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 I go for, uh, I go for a big, uh, power ballad. I go for, uh, it's all coming back to me now. Oh, <laughs> some choice. A song I do not have the range for, but I think, I think, uh, it, it, it falls in like the, the train wreck category. No one's going to be looking at anything but me attempting that song. <laughs> We have no Celine Dion. That is not the first Celine Dion song I thought we would get. I would have thought that somebody would have said my heart will go on. I don't think anybody has yet, no. but that's I'm glad that Celine, that Celine is on the board. I agree. Yeah, I got to hold it down for Canada. That's what I'm doing here. I was just going to say about Canada. <laughs> that's the first thing I think always. Yep. Uh, okay, so to kick off the conversation about this movie in earnest, we've sort of already been talking about what we're doing this lap, because last lap was the F9 lap. And we were like, oh, my God, Dom has a brother. It's Jacob. What's Jacob been doing? This lap, we're sort of we're twisting it a little bit more. And we're asking everyone if you could add a family member in this movie, like not a family member that we know, but like, for instance, like Twinkie's grandpa or whatever, like one character in here. What would you like to see? What family member would you like to see more of? Or to, add. You know, flesh out yeah. the universe or add. Just like, who are you intrigued by? Who do you want to know more about? I think right. what's interesting to me about this one, Joe, and I, I didn't pick them. I have an actual answer. But I feel like there's the deleted Go scenes ahead. show so much with Earl and Reiko that I'm like, I want Ooh. more of them. I right? wasn't thinking like, that. That's a good point. Yes, yes, yes. But they're already in here. So, like, they don't count. But I have a real answer. So, Reed, while you think about that, and there's no wrong answers here. It can be whatever you want. Joe, what did you say? Who do you want to see more of in Tokyo Drift? As we were watching it, and now after seeing Nine, I obviously thought answer is L, right? Like, you want to see more of her. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What yep, is she yep. doing in the – because Han is, like, harboring a child during this movie. Yes. Correct. That we don't see. But I was like, yeah, you know, we've thought about that and talked about that. So I decided who I'd really like to see is Uncle Kamada's wife and, like, know the Ooh. backstory of that. I'm, I'm feeling there's going to be, like, a little bit of, like, a Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi type situation happening here. And I would like to see how that played out. I like that. I have two different answers. And I think one, I don't know that we would. I don't even know. If she's, I don't think she's still alive. Is Neela's mom alive or is she with them because Neela's mom died? Neela's mom is. I think gone. they take her in. Isn't that? Isn't that what? Isn't that what? Uh, right. Yes. Uh, Takashi says that like 
it's maybe not dead, but she might have been. She's she's a lost to the world type situation. She's 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 no longer a citizen of the world. She's something else of the world, right? Yeah. Okay. What I would rather see, though, my actual answer, and it's just based on a throwaway insult, but Earl says to Sean, after he sees Sean drift, he says, my mother, she's blinded one eye and she can drift better than that. I want to see Earl's mom blinded one eye <laughs> drifting in this movie. Just, like, showing up everyone. Like, she's the former, she's, like, drift queen from, like, the 60s or something, and she's just showing people up. Like, I want to see her in here, just for one scene, no, like, actual story development, just, like, see, like, a badass old lady. Maybe she's the noodle lady. Maybe she just, you know what I mean? Like, just seeing some old lady drifting. I want to see her like pick him up from school. Like she like comes into like like the parking lot area like where they would be standing, and she just like drifts in, and she's like, "Get in the car!" And he like hops in, and he's like, "Oh, there's my mom!" And like yeah. takes off. Yeah, that's awesome. Good one. I like that. Reed, what about you? Do you have uh, someone that you would like to see added, either for just like a funny comedic effect or for actual dramatic tension? Do you know what? Weirdly, I think this uh, movie is missing. Is like we have. We kind of have this, it barely comes up. It's um, the most minor of plot points, but that Twinkie, like, sells stuff <laughs> pretty yeah. generically. It only comes up in the context of that broken iPod, really. And then you just see them, like, selling shoes and stuff. But I I think it would be interesting if, like, Twinkie had, like, an older brother or something. Okay. Yeah. Who is, like, maybe a little, a little more straight lace, a little less of... Uh, like a lost kind of soul of a oh. of a kid or something. I had this thought too as I was watching this. I, th- because he like mentions the army brat thing, when I was like trying to pick somebody with a relative, I was imagining that Twinkie has an older brother that is also like in the army, like the good son, right? Like it's like he's in the army, his dad was in the army, and like he's just like slanging, you know, steering wheels in high school and like causing chaos because like his brother and dad are busy. But yes, I. Oh, I follow yeah. you a lot. That's and, a good... and I and I think you, I think you've got like an opportunity to to show like someone who's in the military who is like on the straight and narrow who isn't like messing things up versus Sean's dad too, right? Like, so you have the comparison between Twinkie and the the straight laced brother, but also between the brother who's maybe also on the naval base and Sean's dad who is like you know, paying for sex and being yeah. a bad dad and stuff like that. Like, cause like the, the weird thing when Sean shows up and this is, a, it, it never gets resolved. And it's always bothered me about this movie. When Sean shows up, not only is Sean's dad having, you know, uh, relations with a sex worker, which is fine. Sex work is fine, but she seems like very upset. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's pretty off-putting, and the movie never revisits that. It's like she is doing so much acting, and I don't know if it's like they were running out of time or they couldn't do another take or something, but like she is acting so hard that it actually kind of like throws off the dad's character arc because it's like, what did he do in there? You're right. You're right. And she looks very disheveled. Like like this, this might have been going badly is what it looks like. Yeah. It seems really bad, but then so like when the first time I watched this movie, I was like, "Oh man, this dad's gonna beat Sean." Like I kind of <laughs> thought that's where it was going, where he was like, "Sean's gonna go out racing and he's gonna beat the crap out of him," and then it didn't, and I was like, "Oh, like the dad's just like out of options. He just like doesn't know what to do or whatever." And then it's like, "Man, we never revisit like nope. how terrified that sex worker looks." <laughs> like, 
Yeah, we don't. Yeah, like, we we spend a lot of time trying to parse that scene because we're like, okay, so what he says is you were supposed to be on the seventh. Sean says it is the seventh. And then he's like, oh, hold on. He has to get rid of her, right? And we're like, who was wrong? Because clearly somebody messed up the day. Was it the mom? Was it the dad? Was it Sean? We never once factored in, like, the actual menace of that scene of, like, yeah. like we, t- we talked a lot about, like, okay, so theoretically, say you did not mess up, right? Your your son was supposed to yeah. get here the day before. He doesn't show up. So then, you like, business as usual, the next night you get a prostitute? It's just, like, that's a weird – we focus on that a lot. But we did not focus on her, like, sure. <laughs> the horror of her leaving, just, like, oh, my God, like, what is – so, Yeah. Focusing on the wrong things, maybe, but also, who knows? I don't know if she's supposed to be playing, like, embarrassment or something, but, like, she's playing, like, she looks like she just got let out. Like, otherwise, she wasn't going to leave that apartment. Like, it's pretty, like, p- pretty grim. And then the movie just goes, like, anyway, yeah. dad was working on a car for a bit. <laughs> Supremely weird. All right, Reed, take it away. What do you want to talk about? Tokyo Drift, favorite moments, least favorite moments, things you love, things you hate, questions you have. Things you don't understand about, I mean, not that you not that you wouldn't understand, but just, like, the timeline of this all. Like, remember that time where we thought Han was dead, but he wasn't killed by Jason Statham, except he was killed by Jason Statham, except he's not actually dead <laughs> yeah. anymore anyway, and also we're fine with Jason Statham? Like, what do you want to go? Yeah. Where do you want to start? Tokyo Drift, please take it away. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with something I don't think I fully still understand what Han was skimming money from and why he had he even says i have money and i you know we have to take into account that we don't know about four five and six as movies right now but he says i have money he's skimming money but for what i i I just i i we never get like a for what purpose like it's never like and then i'll get out of this town or like there's no like he he comes. He says he comes to Tokyo because it's his Mexico, like the old westerns or whatever. But we never get a sense of like if you if you've got fifty percent of something and it's better than you know a hundred percent of nothing. Why are you messing around? Even if Takashi is easy to mess with, why are you risking messing with the yakuza? Like I think I, I'm just I'm always super unclear on Han's like end game there. Except that now we can write it off as maybe it was all a plan to set up the chase for Mr. Nobody. But Mm. if you take that out of the equation, if you take like the F9 twist out of the equation, I have no idea what he's doing there. I think a lot of it is like, like then knowing later that he's, he's coming off of like Giselle just dying. So he's in this like weird mourning kind of invincibility, like she died, I didn't type situation. So I think it's just like one of yeah. those like putting yourselves in a dangerous situation just to like to cope. I think it's and Takashi's so easy to fuck with, right? Like he's not actually fucking with the Yakuza, sure. he's fucking with Takashi. Like he's not like I think he's still like fine with the uncle. Like the uncle eventually figures it out and he's like he's robbing from you and robbing from me, but like he doesn't care about that. He's just like, "Oh, this kid's an idiot, so like I'll just steal from him. Who cares?" Do you think that the uncle like doesn't truly care because he's got that whole like for want of a nail speech or whatever and like right. obviously Takashi's taking the heat in that moment yeah. but he's like he's coming there and Takashi kind of gets away with it because they're related but let's imagine Takashi's not uh like there in the moment or whatever or he's he's just as easily duped but not related to the uncle or something like that whatever like do you think that that 
conversation just ends there. Like the uncle, we don't get a scene of the uncle saying like, deal with it or something like that. Takashi takes that on himself. The whole like pitch of the final race is like, man, we really embarrassed you out there. Like the uncle wouldn't want Han dead. But do, do you do you think that's true? That like after all that speech and everything that the, the uncle is like fine with Han stealing? I think there's a version of the way this plays out. And I don't think it's what we get here. I think there's a version where he's like impressed that Han is so like aggressive about his theft maybe right, right? like i can't sure. believe that this little punk is stealing from me the head of the Yaku- or you know what i mean like i, I can see that playing out. i don't think that's what happens here i think there it feels like there's like an unspoken like you need to do what's right and i feel like he might not be outwardly right. saying take care of this but i think i would just guess that there is an unspoken thing between the two of them that like hey you brought your friend and he's stealing from us you know what you need to do i think that's what's going on right and it's more about like the honor of the the like structure of the system where he's like this is your fault i think he's just like kind of he's like you look this is my nephew right and like if he wants to move up this is his time to be a manager and like take care of that shit and then come back to me and say i take care of it and then i'm like you did good you know what i mean like he's like trying to teach him the the system the hierarchy of what's going on more so, but I do think that, like, in the back of his mind, he's probably like, "It's pretty badass, Han. Good job." You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he doesn't. Yeah. Sure, right. He doesn't yeah, seem yeah, like he's yeah. like that pissed about Han. He's more pissed that Takashi let it happen than Han did it. I think there's something that, right. like, in his sphere, Takashi, like TK, is like king ship. But he's like big fish in a little pond, right? Like Han is like medium right. fish in a big pond, and so he might not be in the hierarchy as high up. Like he's not DK, but in terms of like being a man or like taking over the yakuza or whatever, like he's more ready, I think, for that. Than oh yeah, DK, right? So yeah, no, that that's that's pretty fair. I'll. Uh... That makes some sense. It's just, it's always funny to me because Han is running this sort of like youth, like employment program yes. or whatever <laughs> yes, out of his yeah. garage. And he's got like the the bunks and all of that stuff. And it, it always, it, it always kind of struck me as odd. It's like, why even run the risk of crossing the Yakuza when you like literally have the lives of children in your hands? Yeah. And also, I think the answer to that question is because he hasn't yet stolen $11 million, even though he has. Right. Like, right. He he has because he does say in this movie like, oh, I don't need money. But like, yeah, after the fact, you're like, oh, yeah, because he we, we saw the Rio thing. But also, like in this movie, we don't know that yet. So it's like, has he stolen that much from the Yakuza? Is he independent? Like, again, it's the mystery. Right. It's just like, yeah. oh, I don't need sure. money. Like you can have the Mona. You can just fuck up my car, which is like the, the gel, like the envy point of the entire nation or whatever. Like that right. you can just because I don't need that. I don't who cares. Money's whatever. And so it's like, oh, my God, who is this guy? And and then you're like, oh, okay, because yeah. he, he did that job or whatever. But in this movie, it's just like, has he stolen, like, millions of dollars from the Yakuza? Maybe. Right. It makes, I mean, it makes a ton of sense. Like, I, I, I get it. It was just one of those things where it's like, man, that seems like a misstep. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's only weird because this movie retroactively has somehow, it's both incredibly weird and also, like, works better than it ever could have, like, it should not work as well as it does. I mean, it's not it's not perfect by any stretch of imagination, but, like, the mental gymnastics they've had to go through, this lands yeah. in a good place. Like, it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. No, it's it's true. I've got a, I've got another, like, thing I wanted to bring up. Because it's a moment we haven't talked about at all, and it's a thing I kind of love about this movie. And, like, structurally, it's really weird because in any other movie, you would revisit it right at the end. 
<laughs> Sean in America racing uh, the kid from Home Improvement. Yes. He's drive. I, you know, we we get it. Sean's like a he's a, a car guy. We see him in auto shop class or whatever. We see him not stick up for the kid getting bullied. He goes. They do this race through the construction site where they're building this like neighborhood or whatever. Yeah. Right. This community. And he's stuck behind Home Improvement's car. Right. Like the, the road's too narrow. There's the people filming. He can't get by. It's too dangerous. He's like hitting stuff. And so he takes the detour off to like the embankment or whatever. Right. And they're driving on either side of those houses. And I love that after all that and driving through a house, like through a staircase and stuff, which like he's like the frame of that car. What a boat. He comes through and ends up exactly where he was before. <laughs> still like like a foot behind the other car. I, there's something I, I love so much about how much work he put into. Like he could have just stayed there. <laughs> he didn't. He doesn't jump out in front or beside. He jumps in the exact same position that he left. I've, I've, and I kind of love that. I've never thought that he like gains nothing from doing all of this chaos. Like he's just like <laughs> yeah. he, he gets no edge on him. Like he essentially takes a shortcut that is not a shortcut. It's impressive that he does so much detouring and only stays where he was like he should have lost so much more ground so it's impressive in a way but like in any other movie they would at least come out side by side and in this one it's just like no right back to behind you <laughs> it's not how the movie presents it but like you should walk away impressed like oh he's actually a better racer it just yeah it's probably the purpose is you're like wow look how like competent a driver is he's driving on rough terrain and through a house yeah and all sorts of stuff but it just it, especially my rewatch today i was I really noticed it for some reason. It's very funny to me. Yeah, that's wild. It's hard with Fast and Furious movies because there's always like, I don't want to be overly critical of them. I mean, A, because I love them. But B, because they are what they are. And they uh, so many of them exist in a really specific period of time. But the thing that I was like, I couldn't stop noticing in this movie is how leery the camera is on a bunch of high school girls. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it's like one one of one of like the earliest shots of the movie is an upskirt shot of Home Improvement's girlfriend. It's like it's like the third shot of the movie. There is a trend and I I don't think they're high school girls. I think they're just like the Japanese models, but like there's a trend in the first right. three or four movies where they're just like an extended makeout scene between two girls. Like the movies eventually sure. get to a point where it's like they're not as problematic. I mean, they could still always be better, but like there is something leery and ugly because this is also definitively yeah. not, like in the first movie, Mia's in high school and like there's some, you know, sexual sexualizing her. But most of that group is over 18. She might even she yes. might as well be over 18. Right. But this is like, no, this is a high school movie. Like we're in high school yeah. and it's like we're going to still do the whole like. Ooh, sex, sex, sex. It's like, well, okay. Well, and we we haven't even, you know, like then that you, because that's happening, it's the like, whoever wins, wins me, like all that kind of crap. And it's very clearly a high school thing and you're already feeling weird about it. Then you go to Japan and you're like, is Takashi in high school? Or like, what's the deal with him and Neela? It's, it's one of those things where it's like, I get, I get why there's the high school setting because you have to, you, you have to believe that Sean has 
so little control over his life because he's not yet an adult. And so, like, that's why he gets shipped. Like, I, I, I understand why we're in that position, but the movies are so not crafted to be about people who have to go to school. Yeah. <laughs> like, so much of the movie is like, it's daytime, we're at the garage. Like, the nothing about the movie is really about the school experience. It's not like other kind of coming-of-age movies or, like, a sports movie or something like that where you, you really weave it into, like, what is it like to be in school. Um, we get some scenes of that, but it's not what the movie's about. And then you add on to that the fact that Lucas Black is, like, the oldest-looking high school student in the history of high school students. Yes. Then you just end up going, like, so why did we have to insist specifically that these girls are in high school? Like, why why are we insisting that anyone's in high school, but specifically that? And then why are we putting them in these positions? You know, like, it does feel like, and I don't know if we talked about this or not, but, like, a lot of times in franchises, they will take scripts or screenplays for, like, other things. And, like, so there's, like, a high school movie about cars. Like, we want to make a Fast and Furious movie, so, like, we're going to, like, blend the two together. We're going to take, like, the beats of that. So, like, maybe that's what happened here. I don't know. Yeah, it's possible. Maybe this was um, partly uh, Better Luck Tomorrow 2. You know what I mean? Like, they were like, we want a car movie. And Justin Lin's kind of like, well, like, I was going to do another Better Luck Tomorrow movie. Because, like, this guy kind of runs away. And it was about, like, this high school thing. And he's like, oh, like, maybe that kind of works. And, like, it turns. And he's, like, trying to, like, craft it into this. Kind of like what we get with, um, you know, Fast Five type situation. Yeah, it's possible. Do you guys have, uh, even not one that you guys think of, are there, like, specific, like, highlight or lowlight moments of this movie that you find are, like, real consistent from guest to guest? Like, everyone hones in on this, like, one detail or something like that? That's a good question. I mean, everybody loves Han. Yeah. I think everybody kind of dislikes Zachary Ty Bryan for the most part. Yeah. Everybody thinks that Sean yeah, is old. Yeah, sure. Sean, Sean being old is like... Sean looks old. <laughs> Sean looks right. old is like top yeah. tier of like everybody. Like he's fucking 40 and we're like, yeah. Has anybody cool. has anybody ever honed in on the like weird uh, like sumo moment? No. <laughs> oh, the guy with the bear tattoo? No. The guy with the bear tattoo? The paw? I, I don't the, know. Like, we've talked about that, because that guy is enormous, and he's cool. Like, I'm I'm curious how how Sean is successful there. Like, what does he say? Because we don't see him, right? He, like, he taps the guy. Yeah. The guy gets up. He's enormous. And then, like, all of a sudden, he throws he's thrown him out. out. Yeah. With the money. And the guy is, like, fully clothed or whatever. So, like, who knows what happened? I'm curious what we don't see, but... There's a thing I love about it, and this is not the only movie in which it happens, but there's a thing I love about the idea of, like, we're in a bathhouse, so it's, like, all these, like, naked dudes or whatever. And he, like, stands up out of the bath and turns around, and he's this big sumo, and you go, like, oh, my God. Where I think maybe, like, the popular conception of sumo in the Western world is, like, uh, big guys bump bellies until someone, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, everyone right. thinks of just, like, those stupid carnival sumo suits or something. I'm saying this as someone who, like, watches professional sumo religiously. But the thing that I love in this movie is, like, that is meant to be this, like, crazy badass moment. And it's almost exactly like a moment in the Van Damme movie The Quest where a sumo guy, like, gets out of a bath big and tough and stuff like that and it almost makes me want more uh other japanese cultural things in this movie like i feel like the movie's really hung up on like and rightfully so but it's hung up on like how crazy uh 
a downtown urban center in Japan is. We've got this like crazy underground garage that like fetches your car for you. It's like mm-hmm. a vending machine. And we've got we've got this like cantina thing where like Sean and Neela go where you can get like full meals out of a, a vending machine or things like that. Like we see these little like those little sleep pods or whatever that are all stacked up yep. in Han's place. Like we're focused so much on the urban thing and that sumo moment it makes me want to go like I want to see more of like what's the what I want some other cultural stuff and I, I i don't know how you do it because the movie has to be really like kind of street focused and and that culture but there's a part of me that's like man i want a little bit more of that like some old school japanese stuff you don't want it to get like too stereotypical or anything but like even like i love that at the apartment it's all like sliding doors and stuff like that mm. and there's a part of me that just like wants to explore japan a bit more than we really do in this movie like we see a very specific very narrow part of japanese culture in this movie there's a part of me that just wants to explore more of it more and i don't know if that means that i'm advocating for tokyo drift 2 which um, we should be but i might be i might i might want this to be its own uh like trilogy there might be a part of me that wants that i don't know you know, that is one thing that, Joe, when we had Nico and Kevo on, they were talking about, I don't remember this one, but I think most of the movies, they were saying that, like, we're like, this is the Japanese one. They're like, it's not really, though. Like, it feels like a lot of these movies are, like, it's a Western, Americanized version of that country. Like, it's not a Brazilian movie. It's, totally. like, how an American yes. views a Brazilian movie. Yes. It's not a Japanese right. movie. It's how an American views a movie set in Japan or whatever, where it's, like, it's exactly what you're saying. It's, like, yeah, it's it's kind of, like, you go there for a week and you're, like, I got to go to Shibuya. I got to go here. I got to go yeah. there. And then, like, you don't actually get the actual t- taste of what Japan actually is. So, and maybe it's honest and you're seeing it through Sean's American eyes. And that was <laughs> totally. Whoa. <laughs> and you know, you the part of the we said it already. This movie works because it's relatively short. You don't want to load it up or anything, but it, it I guess it just makes me yearn for something. I want it somewhere else. I don't even necessarily care if it's in this movie, but I think I want m- more of seeing a culture or things like that you know like i think these you're right these movies attempt to do it a bunch like you try to get a little bit of like cuba or whatever in eight i guess right at the beginning with that like race uh with his cousin yeah yeah i you get a little bit of it or yeah the brazil um (laughs) whatever you get in five but I, maybe I maybe I want a little bit more of like a cultural tourism thing to the no Fast I think and you're I, I think you're right because like the one the one place that I'm really kind of more familiar with than anything else that they've gone to is also in Fate it's New York it's like that doesn't feel like New York it just feels like a city with right. taxis yes like it's not yes. like that's not a New York thing. And, you know, the geography aside, where it's just like they can't get from that place to that place in that amount of time, it just doesn't feel right. like New York. It feels like, oh, we want to be in New York because, like, that's where things happen. And there's taxis and there's cars and there's people. But it's like, that's not what it's like. It's not that you can't drive that fast. You, like, it, it, it just, again, yes, it's cultural tourism, but, like, in a way that doesn't feel satisfying. It's like, I'm glad that we're globe hopping. I'm glad that we're in Russia or whatever. But, like, if we knew Russia, we'd be like, this isn't Russia. This is just, like, snow. Like, yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right yeah 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 so yeah I, I, kind of, I think i agree with that it's not a bad thing it's just like it could be a better thing right like it's cool that we're all over the world as opposed to just like 10 la stories but also i don't know yeah i mean i don't want people to think that i'm like taking shots at this movie because the couple of things i mentioned have been criticism no no no, no, I, no, I, no I, like, I, like i said You're fine this 
this movie is like has so grown on me. I would have ordinarily put it like near the bottom, I think, like years ago. And every time I watch it, it creeps up. And now it's in my top five of the whole franchise. There's a it's not like a big significant moment, but there's a thing I really, really love, which is um, at the end, I'm pretty sure Takashi's dead. Yes. Um, yeah, we think like so his too. car totally flips. Uh, he land, lands on the roof. Pretty sure Takashi's dead. The Yakuza uncle comes up to Sean and says, you're free to go. And <laughs> turns around and smiles. And you're like, you're... I know he was kind of like a screw-up, but like your nephew's fully dead. There's got to be some sort of like... Just play it a little chill, man. Like, don't smile. Like, just... You know, accept that you accept the terms of the wager you made. But like, he's he's like, man, this American kid, he's gonna be all okay. <laughs> I kind of love it. It's it's such like a it it almost entirely breaks like the emotional stakes of the movie. I it's just such a great moment. I I love it so much that he's like, man, America won me over. It's almost like a Rocky Four thing where it's like, yeah, communism's bad. Thanks, Rocky. I like that he's like, yeah, like, I don't have to worry about that anymore. You know, like, something off my plate. He just, he's, but he's dead. He outdrifted in my, my nephew in a car that seems like way, like, the center of gravity is way too high off the ground to be, like, a good drift car. Yeah. He's just that good of a racer, I guess. I don't know. I, I love that so much. I, I it, it made me, it made me smile so, so much at the end of that movie to be like, wow, this uncle's cold, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I can ask, yeah. what's like your you, you've this is lap 10. What's your favorite like piece of this movie? What's other than Han because that's like a pretty obvious answer. But like what's what's your favorite moment? You guys have been through this so much. I'm wondering if you've honed in on something or if now like you think of too many things. I still get the the Han speech like it's I have money on top of the thing like I still think that's like one of the coolest moments in any movie for me. It's like every time I watch it, yeah, I'm still the, like, this yeah. is just fucking awesome. And I mean, granted, it is him and it is because of him, but like the whole like speech and like sta- standing there like looking off the railing at the city type situation, like the whole thing is just I was like, this is perfect. Um, I think that's totally. like a mo- yeah. moment that I still think about a lot. I think the thing that we both yeah, love definitely. that we talk about a lot is just the soundtrack is just like it propels you through the movie. But I think one thing that I always like is exact it follows is the scene after the one that Joe's talking about, like after they're overlooking that soccer field. He's like, you want to know why I drift? And they just show him drifting around those women to get a phone number. Just like this dude, just like cool. Like it's just like effortlessly cool. And I just think yeah. that it's it's the Han thing. It's I think that this movie also evokes a real sense of party. Both like ah, in the drift yeah. garage, at Han's garage, everywhere. It's just like there's just people having a good time, and it feels like kind of just like a hangout movie at times where like drifting is taking place. Do we ever get yeah. any more? Like, I mean, like I get that we have a party in the first one, but that's more of like like a metally kind, like a rock style part. Like we never get like club really scenes. I guess. You we get we get a lot of like outside bunch of cars are parked people dancing like even in even in nine there's that like where where, uh, where Queenie drops Dom yeah. off there's a lot of that kind of stuff happening there. You're right. I mean, God, in this movie they show up to a party and then they go through a secret corridor and at the other end of the corridor there is another party. Yes. <laughs> there's, there's, 
There are two parties in one building. Yeah. And the people look excited. It, it doesn't seem like as like formal or as informal. Yeah. It just seems like an actual club style party. And that's what I don't think that we get again. Because a lot of the other yeah, you, a lot of the other movies right. when they have party scenes, it's like business at a party, right? Like yes. it's the rat bucket in the club in two. It's Shaw going to get information in the beginning of Hobbs and Shaw where he's like, you know, champagne problem. Yeah. It's like they're not there yeah. just hanging out and enjoying, which I get I guess there's a little bit in four when like they're hanging out with before they know it's Braga or the compost, right? Where it's just like, but even that's right. like business. You guys, you guys know each other. His, it is business. His like, office just, is upstairs. At least they order beers, right? Okay. They're just like, hey, like we're hanging out and having a beer. Like there's a little <laughs> bit more right. relaxation there than otherwise. But yeah, I don't know. No, I, I think you're right. That vibe is like all through this movie, and and yeah, like Sung Kang again, so effortlessly like charming. Like everything he does is like, man, this guy's the coolest person I've ever seen in my life. And, uh, like, it's almost like nothing nothing faces him both good and bad. Like, even when he gets punched, his immediate response is, is like, hey, this is, this is what we do, baby. Like, yeah, yeah steal a money for me. Like, he doesn't – there's no version of him that is like, oh, crap. Like, even during that car chase, he's just like – he's like, I got to get away. You know, Takashi's a good driver, but, like, I'm better – until it's until you know, in this movie accidentally he's taken out of course it's not accidental at all but it's so cool to see him be that chill and it really ties into the idea of like that the other movies try to get at the freedom of driving and racing the like 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 feeling the the car move and the edge of the wind in your hair and you know going down the mountain and stuff like that like where he's teaching Sean how to drift. It's like the open air, you're out of the city. Like everything in the movie is trying to reinforce the idea that like car and driving and drifting equals your, your a hundred percent true self. Like you're commuting with nature through yeah. a, a gas powered automobile. Like, <laughs> the, yeah. I, I think you're totally right. This movie a hundred percent nails that. Anything else about this movie that you want to talk about? Or you want to play some games? Ooh, boy. Uh, uh, let's see. It's crazy, just generally. My last thought on this movie is, like, it's crazy that they're like, wow, our son is, like, really lashing out. He's acting out. He's a real... We're worried about him. We got to keep him on the right track. Let's send him to live with the parent who effectively doesn't love him in a country that doesn't speak his language <laughs> and see how right. he does. Yeah. This won't alienate him further. Yeah. Uh, they just go, like, that ought to do it. Great. We did it. Yeah, it'll fix. It'll put him on the straight and narrow for sure. Like, have a deadbeat dad. Yeah. We're definitely Team Sean's mom on this podcast because we we talked to her about her role in this movie. So, like, we we definitely empathize right. with her. But like, at the same time, you know, I get that she's been through a lot. But it's like, is this the really the best thing for your son? I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, I I don't even I I don't I don't think I'm like necessarily willing to blame her or whatever. But it's like the dad is in the navy and he's just like leaving notes and stuff he's like oh 700 catch the train or whatever it's like be like you've not been there the whole time like take right. any sort of action or initiative <laughs> you don't meet him at the airport because you're having sex with a terrified prostitute <laughs> you don't like you don't take him to the train you're just like you speak japanese right and then like you don't help him with anything and then he's supposed to just show up. You don't say, like, remember, they take their shoes off, so now he makes a fool of himself in the class. Like, 
everything about it is like kind of squarely on the dad a little bit yeah. to me. And then the one moment where they kind of connect a little bit at first is when Sean sees him working on the car and the dad is even the dad registers like, hey, this is the first time we're not like hating each other. And he goes, oh, you're going to be late. Go to school. <laughs> like, well, come on, man. Like this is the one time you maybe could have gotten through to him and to fulfill your promise of I have to take care of you that you seem to care about now. It's, it's like the dad is just such a dirtbag. It's interesting <laughs> that like in a in a franchise that ends up being so about family, and even in this movie that Han is this sort of like made family of these kind of yep. like rascals or whatever that like live in his garage and stuff like that. Yeah, Sean has such like a horrible dad. You know, Dom's dad is like a can do no wrong kind of guy or whatever, and. Everything is about family, and it always comes back to that. And then Sean's dad is this real sore thumb, <laughs> like a really a true dirtbag. Him and the uncle that's happy as nephew's dad. Like, this movie has some of the worst family members of any movie. Other than Brian and Dom as the movies go on, are there good dads in this franchise? Oh, God, that's, that's interesting. I mean... Brian's, Brian says he doesn't like his dad. Yeah, you could make the argument for, like, Michael Rooker's character in that he tried to take care of Jacob. But he is a father like, figure. I think there's good father figures. Yeah, you, you mean, you mean like an actual, dad. An actual yeah. dad. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a good point, actually. What a, Because yeah, Hobbs' dad is MIA. Shaw's dad is MIA. Brian's doesn't remember Otto's his dad. dad Otto's dad doesn't care about him. That's why he's a dick in nine. Jesse's terrified of his dad who's in prison. We only get the Shaw's mom. We don't get a dad. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The Toretto dad. No, I guess, you're right. I guess, I guess Jack Toretto is not terrible. Yeah. You learn he's not unassailable, but he's still doing it for like the right reasons. But he does put like a insane kind of ask on Jacob, you know, like yes. for whatever reason he's doing it. It's like so unfair that he's and he does it because like basically I love Dom more. He's like, you could I'll do this to you because I couldn't do it to Dom. So is is Jack Toretto the best of the dads? I think that so. isn't Brian yeah. or Dom. Yeah, I think so. Wow. He's he's the only. Wow. Good, like, yeah, I guess he has to be. And Dom remembers him fondly too. Mia does too. Like, that. oh, hang on, Hobbs. Well, Hobbs. I mean, yeah, but Hobbs. I, yeah, Hobbs is a good dad. But I think I think like he's he's mean. Like, he his primary relation is like him. How do I want to say this? Like, he's like Dom and Brian in that like. We don't think of him as a dad. We think of him as, like, a family member who has a kid, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, Brian's no, a good th- dad. I think you're, you're on something, yeah. Hobbs a good dad. But Hob- we don't know Hobbs' dad, so. Right. Well, he was a, he was a shitbag. He was we... a criminal, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know, That's man. Right. No, you're right. You're Wild. 100% correct. Bad dads. All right, Reed, are you ready to find out which Fast and Furious character you are? I would love to find out what Fast and Furious character I am. So this is a BuzzFeed-style, J14-style quiz. There are six, seven questions, six answers per question, multiple choice, no wrong answers, just whatever feels right to you. Are you ready? I am. Question number one, how fast are you? NASCAR, roller coaster, Lamborghini Murcielago, Toyota Prius, Vespa, or Razor Scooter? <laughs> uh, Toyota Prius. <laughs> okay. Question number two, how furious are you? The Hulk, Kylo Ren, Christian Bale in that one movie set that one time, 
Mel Gibson, Charlie Brown, or Jack McBrayer? Uh, Kylo Ren. We're having a barbecue. How are you helping? Are you manning the grill? Are you saying grace? Are you kicking back with a beer? Are you babysitting? Are you being the entertainment, or are you sneaking a snack? Oh, I think I'm being the entertainment. Okay. Okay. Question number four. You've got time to kill. What are you doing? Are you grabbing a bite? Working on your car? Hanging with friends? Drinking a beer? Working out? Or working on your computer? Uh, Grabbing a bite. Describe your wedding. I'm never getting married. It's just me and my partner. It's us and our families. It's a backyard country affair. Everyone I know is there. I don't remember. Right, in, in real life, it was almost a everyone I know is there kind of situation. Okay. Yeah, it, was a, it was a pretty big one. Question number six. You just won the lottery. What are you buying? Your own garage? A private plane? I'm gambling it all away? My child at home? A fleet of cars? Or a new life? Ooh. A new life? <laughs> okay. Fair enough. The final question to right. answer it all. What is your drink of choice? Belgian ale, Corona, something fruity, water, whatever's cheapest, or just, you know, Joe's getting a drink. Just give me one of whatever you're having. Ooh, I got to be honest. Something fruity. Okay. I think, I think you're a new character. You were, you were, you were teetering on this guy. Let me see if we've had this before. Hold on. Ooh, who is okay. it? We've never had this guy before. I think he's very uncommon. He is, oh no, he's, he's 3.69%. So not, not super uncommon. We've never had it before. Right. You are the eye in the sky. You are Dinkley. You oh. are Kevin Hart from Hobbs oh. and Shaw. <laughs> Read. There's a saying. Big things come in small packages. This describes you to wow. a T. People tend to underestimate or overlook you, but what they won't know until they get closer is that you have much more to offer than they expect. You're the person people can count on when things get tough, and you like it that way. Even if what they're asking for seems impossible, you come through time and time again because you love helping your friends and showing off a little bit every once in a while is fun, too. You get a lot of joy out of surprising people, and no one underestimates you a second time, and you drive drive like like the the wind wind blows. blows. That's awesome that's, that you got a new character. I mean, God, that's wild. I never in a million years would have even considered that that would be an option. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so funny. I was like, oh, my God, I just don't want to be Jesse. <laughs> Jesse is an option. I don't know oh. if anybody's ever gotten Jesse. Hang on. It's like you no one's pick, ever gotten Jesse either. You have to pick, like, the really passive answers. I sure, want to see yeah, here. Yeah, Hold yeah. on. I've never actually done this. We have 25 different possibilities. We have 25 different outcomes. I'm wow. going to data, data cleanup, remove duplicates. All right. So we've gotten, you are, you, we've now had as answers 14 of 25. So almost half. Wow. Of what so there's still so many more. There's still yeah. so, so many, many more. more potential ones. Yes, there are. There are a ton. And these are, you know, the the coding of the game. Like, Joe and I did all the answers. I was doing it manually before in Google Sheets, but the coding of the actual web app or the, the desktop app or whatever and all the descriptions were written by Wes. So thank you, Wes. Shout out, Wes. But there are so many of his descriptions we have not gotten. Like, there are certain characters who have less than a 1% chance, and I don't know how you get them, but there is a mathematical way to get every one of these characters. It's just 
Wow. Most of them we haven't gotten yet. Or yeah. not, not most, but like a lot of them we have not gotten yet. But I'm welcome to the family, our first and maybe only ever, who knows, Dinkley. Well, I'm I'm honored to uh, to christen Dinkley as a response to this uh, quiz. <laughs> it's perfect. It All is. right. The next game we're playing is this Ain't No 10 Second Race, a.k.a. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. So this is where we go on Twitter.com, a.k.a. The Bird app, and we find people if they think if we think they should be listening to the show. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Come and check out our show. Yeah, yeah. So, Reed, you sent me a tweet already, but before we review that one, I'm going to look back at last episode's picks. We had Mariah on, Mariah on fire, Mariah Rocks, Mariah Doty Trevino, talking about Fast and Furious 6. So, I found... Vanilla Bean at Mr. Burnstone last time. I'm finna smoke and watch Fast and Furious 6. I just finished sweeping and mopping, and we said we make great podcasts to listen to about the Fast and Furious while you're sweeping and mopping, especially if you're high. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Nothing, but... So this does not count, but what's what's frustrating is that we got at least two people to like it based on our retweet. So it's like, dude, your tweet's not blowing up, but, like, people are interacting with your tweet, like, Give us a little bit of credit here, but no, Vanilla Bean yeah, yeah. does not care. So, no dice. Boo. Joe, you found Melanin Monroe at Love X Tie. My mama talking about how I could wait until we get home to see Fast 9. Girl, I'm the biggest FNF fan you know. Fuck, I look like waiting. And we said we couldn't wait either and we're as big FNF fans as you. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Nothing. Mariah found, she had two. She played one for charity. I don't remember which one for charity, but I don't know that it matters because this one, another swing and a miss, we'll get there. But Joshua Martinez at Real DJ Fleet at Peacock TV. Where the hell is the Fast and Furious franchise? We said there's a hell of a lot of it on HBO Max right now and a hell of a lot of episodes of our show you can listen to too. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. As I said, nothing. And then she also found <laughs> Frauding Christ at Eliana Divacar. 10 movies to know me. It was the nine Fast and Furious, not Hobbs and Shaw. And then Santa Tango, which is the seven hour black and white film. And we said, if you're into this, if you're this into Fast and Furious and black and white art films like Santa Tango, which we hope F10 embodies too, boy, do we have a podcast for you. And Joe, it's no surprise. Oh, for four, another struggle. Reed, this feels like the easiest game in the world. It's like, Impossible. hey, you're out there tweeting about the Fast and Furious. We've yeah. got a thing that you probably would like. Say hi. No, it's wild. <laughs> so, is it now? Would you would you say that like this past week's is like a pretty representative? Yes, for uh, sure. Response. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. If you, okay. If you listen, if you listen in two weeks when we ha- when we talk about Furious Seven with whoever our guest is on that episode, and you get points, I would consider it a win. Like Joe and I have played this Ooh. probably now. What's our point totals? Tell them. Yeah, we've probably played it. What maybe like eighty to hundred times. And and. <laughs> I have uh, 45 and a half and Joe has 47. So right. the next okay. closest somebody right. who did like 12 episodes with us has 27. Very few people even have over 10. So like, it's so hard. It's so hard. All right. Well, I no nobody, nobody thought that anyone could get Dinkley. So I'm up for the Also challenge. true. Very, very true. Very, very true. That's also true. So, uh, Reed, can you please, the tweet that you sent me, can you read who it's from and then read the tweet? And then we're going to craft a response. We're going to retweet from our account and craft a response. But please hit us with the tweet that you found. 
Sure. So my tweet is from uh, Angela uh, at Norse underscore nerd. And she writes, me and Amanda after Fast 6 when they showed the clip of Han's death in Tokyo Drift and realizing that Tokyo Drift actually happened after 5 and 6. And it's a gif of Samuel L. Jackson looking surprised. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. All right. So we're going to reply and we're going to say, boy, of a podcast for you. But Reed, how would you like us to customize? What would you like us to add to this? To tweet? draw them in, to try to get them to... Oh, oh, geez. Okay, maybe maybe something along the lines of uh, just just wait until you get through seven and eight to see what happens. Oh, <laughs> just wait till you get through all of them because there's another surprise in store. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I I love that. Yeah, exactly. And then after you finish watching them, listen to us because boy, do we have a podcast for you. There's more. There's more of the Han story than you know, right? So you know, I like that though. Norris nerd and more cool. than. Watching this movie, I thought about it, and I, I was like, man, I love that, like, I mean, it's hard, I hate doing it, but it's hard not to think of things in, like, MCU terms nowadays. Yeah, sure. of course. I was like, man, I love that Han has, like, this, like, spinoff franchise, even though it's only one movie, even though it's part of the main line of the movies. But uh, there's, I was thinking about it, I was like, is there anyone else I totally want, like, a spinoff movie from? And I was like, not really. I kind of only, I want them together. Han is like the only one that I'm like, you make a bunch of Han movies and I'm there. Yeah, we want our, I think our ultimate, I don't I don't know, Joe, if I'm speaking for you or not, but I think my ultimate, I think you agree, is we want a Han and Giselle trilogy. Yep, I agree. Oh, yeah. Where it's just like their totally. stories between, it's basically between five and six or whatever, like before she quote unquote dies, if she actually dies, who knows? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's the most ambiguous one of all of them. Yeah. It and, has to be people have come and, yeah. People have come back from way more specific and definite deaths than hers. So. Right, yeah. Okay, Joe, hit us with yours. Yours is from a thread, which is good. You, you sometimes have luck with the threads, but there's one in particular that you're I'm, you're I'm just going right? for the first one. I was thinking about maybe the second one. It continues on. They're talking about, okay, it's from Meatball Shorty. At yep. Shibuya Dreams. Beautiful handle, yep. Yeah, it's about like all of the movies. I think she was just watching them in a in a row. Yeah, she said beginning a yeah. rewatch of all the Fast Fears movies this week leading up to F nine Thursday night. So she was watching or re yeah, rewatching all of them this past summer. Yeah. So this tweet says, wait, so in Tokyo Drift, Sean's dad keeps saying he thought Sean was supposed to arrive on the 7th, which is the day he shows up, and he's surprised that he's there, and tells him how he would have picked him up, but your mom said, and then the next tweet is, but your mom said the 7th, and we're a day ahead here in Japan, so then shouldn't he have been wondering why his son wasn't at the airport the day before? <laughs> Which one do you think I should reply to? That one or the bottom? I, no, I'm gonna I'm retweeting both of them because I think it's I think it's the Galaxy Brain thing. Yeah, but we should reply to the second one of the meme. Okay, and and it's just like you have no idea how many times we've tried to figure this out. It still makes no sense. Listen to our episode with Sean's mom. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. <laughs> Listen to our episodes with Sean's mom. Even she doesn't know. Boy, do we have a podcast for you? And maybe yeah. link to that episode. He was too busy terrifying a sex worker. Boy, do we have a podcast for exactly. you. Exactly. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> I'm saying you have no idea how often we tried to figure this out and it still makes no sense. We even asked the actress to play Sean's mom and she doesn't know. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Perfect. And I'm linking Love to that. the Linda Boyd interview. Thank you, sir. I tweeted last night. I don't know if either of you saw this, but as I was watching the movie, I said, why do I know? How come I never see you drift? Which is what he IMs Neela in school. Yes. Right? And I'm like, 
I can't, there's got to be like millions of people who have tweeted this. And the answer, yes, of course there are. But I was like, there's got to <laughs> be someone who goes above and beyond, who doesn't just like the movies, but like this is like part of who they are. So I found Morgan at X Morgan Newell on Twitter. Okay. She just says, how come I never see you drift? But her bio is living life a quarter mile at a time. Oh, so yeah. So oh, she, yeah. Good find. Nice play. So a lot of people have done this. People with like more followers than Morgan. But Morgan represents the franchise in her bio, living life a quarter mile at a time. And I'm just going to say, because you never ask, what if a podcast for you? Perfect. I love it. It's crispy. That's amazing. Yeah. I, f- I, feel like, I feel like you've got the best shot at this one. That seems like a match made in heaven. Reed, I will tell you, that does not mean anything. It does not. <laughs> Absolutely not. It means nothing. As weird as that sounds, you're like, oh, yeah, it's somebody talking about Fast and the Furious, somebody talking, like, what they did in their bio, and they'll just ignore us. They don't care. Yeah. See, yeah. that's that's wild to me, especially if they're, like, a fan of the franchise to that extent or whatever, because, like I said, when I found out you existed, I was like, oh, my God, they watched them over and over and over again. This is 100%. <laughs> The best thing that I've ever found. <laughs> well, so so that's there's there's one of two things. Either people don't care and don't understand any of it, or they're like, that's the greatest. There's no middle ground. It's not like, oh, that's fun. It's either right. like these right. are my people, or I, we're just we're we're too we're too we're too different. I you know we're both humans or whatever, <laughs> right. but like we have different values and whatever. So there's no middle ground. So I'm like, oh huh, yeah, okay. It's just like the fuck or hell yeah, right? So it's you know that's funny. Who knows? But Reed, thank you so much for joining us. This was an absolute delight. Oh man, thank you for having me. I, this was this was a, a real blast, and God, so much fun to revisit this movie and see it climb up my own rankings again. Yeah, love it. So now you have at least two podcasts. What would you like to plug? What can our listeners know about you? Where can they find you if they want more Reed Vanier? Sure. Well, I don't only obsess over Fast and Furious. I, I, uh, I'm i the host of the Dr. DC podcast where we talk about DC comics uh, with like an equal level of uh, depth and enthusiasm. Uh, we talk about superheroes and, and, and stuff like that over there and answer listener questions. And I'm also the host of uh, Ghost Facers, a supernatural rewatch. We're going through every single episode of all 15 seasons of the CW Supernatural. About halfway through season four at this uh, moment, but we talk about real world monsters and ghosts and stuff. We talk about behind the scenes stuff about the show, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. If you like hearing two guys be maybe a, a little thirsty about the male leads of the show, then that's probably the show for you. <laughs> well, uh, the the guy who wrote our character descriptions before Wes is a big fan of Supernatural. So Wes, if you don't know about this one already and you'd like to read on here, spe- talking specifically to you, go check out. What's it called? Ghost? It's not Ghost Face. Ghost Facers. Yeah. Ghost Facers. Yeah. Yes. Close to the, to the, you're almost in the zeitgeist now with Scream, right? Like you're close. You're in the, you're in the yeah, Uzra. You're right. Of. I should, I should just misspell our hashtag and stuff and try and ride that train. Hashtag Ghost Face. Hashtag Ghost Facers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Joe, next episode, before we get to Furious 7, we are doing a movie. I think we mentioned it in the last episode. We are watching Homefront, starring Jason Statham, starring James Franco as a man named Gator. Uh, Update since the last episode, no longer on Netflix. So you have to to pay to rent this. It was on Netflix when I said it last time. It's no longer on Netflix. That's the way the world works sometimes. But it's out there. Winona in there as well. I will also say... Before the next Fast and Furious movie comes out, before Furious 7, we're going to have another Patreon bonus episode. This is our second annual Super Bowl Sunday release with Brian Slumber Party, Late Night Rodriguez. We are talking about 
very appropriate for this movie, for this episode, for this one today, Friday Night Lights, starring Lucas Black. So, Super Bowl Sunday, only on Patreon, Friday Night Lights, the movie, not the TV show. Connie Britton in both. You can get your Mrs. Coach. But Friday Night Lights, the movie, with Lucas Black there. I don't remember who he plays. Maybe the quarterback? I don't know. We'll find out. But home front next week, and then Friday Night Lights on Super Bowl Sunday to our patrons. Did he release this movie being another high schooler after Tokyo Drift? Is he an older Ooh, when, high schooler no, I in think, this I movie? No, I think he's younger. I think he's younger. He This movie came out in 04, so this movie was 07, so it's like he's three years younger, but he's still like 26 or whatever, right? <laughs> so it's still like... Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Perfect. For all things Too Fast Too Forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast Too Forever, or at Too Fast Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page with that exclusive bonus episode about Friday Night Lights and all sorts of things. I think we have like 16 episodes over there that are only over there. Yeah. At TooFastTooForever.com and our store at TooFastTooForever.shop. Come back next week for Homefront, then Friday Night Lights, and then Furious 7. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And that was Reed Banier, host of the Dr. DC podcast and Ghost Facers, a Supernatural rewatch, and we'll tell you all about it when we see you again. Bye.